Well, 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 happy Thursday, everybody. Good morning this morning. And, uh, yes, yes, indeed. Let's just testing one, two, three, testing one, two, three, testing one, two, testing. We good? We good? We good? We good? We good? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Hey, um, you know, one of the things I want to know uh, down the line, I've talked about this before, and I'll talk about this again. And that is that um, it, 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 it relates to, you know, you know, running late, doing things like this, obviously. But uh, I do want I do want to know I, I am I am curious about whether or not really, you know, and, and, and obviously traffic is it should be kind of the least of our worries. It's like, you know, uh, we call that the white people problem. You know, it's like. Worrying about stuff that really isn't that big of a deal. 
and, and, and worry, wor- you know, worried about you know stuff that really in the end doesn't really matter all that much or whatever. But I, I do, I do wonder, I, I, and I have to, I have to admit, it's it's, it's kind of like a, a it's a it's like a crabby thing to to be concerned about. But I do wonder, you know, for instance, like what is like what is really the plan? Like, what's the plan as it relates to traffic and how we engineer and how we plan and design traffic patterns and 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 and, and, and ways that we you know, kind of like funnel people into places and things like that. Because uh, for whatever reason, the U.S. really has uh, really a backwards-ass way of managing people on the roads. I'm not quite sure why that is. I'm not quite sure why we have quite possibly like the worst possible traffic management planning grid that you could possibly imagine how we wound up with uh, a generation of, of, uh, of people. And, and, and again, you know, I mean, I, I know about the greatest generation, but they were really crappy at urban planning. And, and I'm trying to figure out like how that, that happened, like how that, how that, um, how that went about, because we, like, if you look at like, for instance, uh, 40 uh, and, and 4064 that quite possibly is one of the worst examples of engineering and traffic planning i th- i think really that the world has ever ever seen i mean it's it's whoever planned it and whoever came up with it and then whoever did the the extended planning of highway 40 like when they redid it, when they, when they redid Highway Forty, and then uh, never uh, improved on it. Like how do you how do you go through that entire thing where you do the entire revamping of Highway Forty, and it still is quite possibly one of the shittiest highways that that I've I've ever experienced like it's it's like they redid the thing and nothing changed like how is it possible that that happened here's the deal. I I like these I like these new headphones but they're they're doctor spocking me like they're 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 literally squeezing my arteries under my ears to the point where I I think I'm going to faint. I really I I honestly do think I'm going to um I I, I honestly think I'm going to uh Yeah, I, I I maybe some people have like um some people have new like like different oh there, see. Those were like I felt like somebody was coming up, you know how they doctor spock you? <laughs> yeah. And they just have these two plugs right here that does not look very convenient. Squeeze your thank you, Matt. Appreciate that. Matt was giving me some new headphones, but they were they were literally like s- squeezing my things, my whatever these are right here. I think that's where they doctor spock you. They come and squeeze your, and you faint. 
but and it would be it would actually it would be kind of cool if like I put headphones on and the headphones caused me to faint. That would be that would be actually kind of cool. It's kind of like you know, uh, embarrassing ways to die, you know. And you get to heaven, you're like, "How'd you die?" It's like, uh, uh, you know, something stupid, you know. I just, I, shopping cart rolled in front of me, and then I braked, and then the truck ran me from the, you know, that kind of, you know. It's like it would be that would be that would be one of those things where like, "How'd you die?" Well, I. You want to, you, you really want me to tell you? Yeah, tell me how you died because that's that's what would happen if you're in heaven. Like people always will probably quiz you. You know, that'd be the com that'd be the heaven conversation. How'd you die? Well, um, um tell you the truth, I was changing out a light bulb and I was standing in a puddle of water and uh, that happened. Oh, really? That was stupid. And I know, uh, I know. That's how. Yeah, but this would be one where like, how'd you die? Well. I was doing a morning radio show and I tried on some new headphones and they squeezed my carotid arteries and I had a stroke. They'd be like, really? I mean, yeah. I'm, right before Christmas even. See, that would be the other thing. Cause, and, and because that's, that's always the line, you know. Oh, and right before Christmas, like there's any other, like there's a better way, a time to die than, you know. Oh, well, that's too bad. It's too bad it was right before Christmas. Oh, yeah, right. It would have been better on January 10th, I know. That's the whole line. But, yeah, so, I, you know, I, I'm thinking to myself as I, like, for instance, I'm on my way in, and it's really not that far away, right? And I'm thinking at, at the time that I've stopped at my 10th stoplight in St. Louis, I mean, I'm talking about like a light. That actually turns red and makes you sit there, and, and I'm thinking to myself, how how was this productive? In fact, there's, there's a thing on uh, on forty where uh, you, you 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 there are literally three stoplights within probably uh, I I'd have to say I, I can't really I don't really know I'm not a you know. Uh, uh, a person who knows distances all that much, but I'm, I'm probably, you know, it, it, it's probably about 75. Now let's see, uh, 30 yards. Try to put it in like a football field perspective, like right, right, right out the door here. There's, there are three stoplights literally within 30 yards of each other. And, and one just turns red for, I mean, there's there's no traffic pattern. There's no attention to timing. There's no, you know, uh, literally nothing. I mean, and 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 believe me, uh, right now, if no one's around, especially now, if no one's around and there's a red light, I run it because the red light cameras are don't aren't real. Not nothing really catches you anymore. The red light, the cameras are all a ruse. And it's all really just uh, fake. And then you get a red light camera ticket. I never pay them because they're, they're indefensible. So um, if if there's a if, if no one's around, I just run a red light. I mean, it's it's 
And if, and if no one's around, I'll roll through a stop sign. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm just, it just is ridiculous the way that the government and the engineers manage you around here. It's, it's, it's outright. You, you'd think almost if you were, if you were a little, if you were a little paranoid, you'd think that actually the, the goal of whoever was doing what they were doing is to always keep you on edge, like always keep you, you know, edgy and, and gripping your steering wheel and that kind of thing. Because, uh, the way they do things around here, uh, is, is not either doesn't make any sense or just is, is really just like, wow, you, or, or just is really stupid. Like there's a, there's a real possibility that the people who planned things around here are just really dumb. It's kind of like, it's like, it's kind of like when you, uh, and, and I always, I, I, and I always love it because I love getting, uh, trouble from the, uh, from the department of transportation, uh, swamp because, because whenever you dare criticize, like there, there are always those certain people, you know, and I, I did this on, uh, at 97.1 even, like, you know, you, you talk about when they, when they revamped Highway 40. And it was, it was quite possibly the, the biggest traffic engineering debacle on the planet was, was, the, was the Highway 40 planning and, and, and the Highway 40 construction. And it's like the people responsible for that are the worst engineers on the planet and at some point, even if you're not an engineer, you could come to that conclusion and say, this was really bad planning right here. This is like not, doesn't make any sense at all. So they, the, uh, um, at some point, we all have to kind of call a spade a spade and say, that's pretty dumb. Like, you know, and, you know, there are the people who are like, proud of the fact that their grandfather you know was the was the organ the was the synthesizer player on the theme song for the land of the lost or was the uh in the chorus of uh love american style love american style ah, ah. you know they're proud of that but there's no one in St. Louis or in Missouri who will possibly admit that their loved one was part of the Highway 40 planning. There's, there's really no one. And, and, and then those who might, who might like, you know, like, you know, uh, call into the show or do whatever and, and, and defend the Department of Transportation uh, and, and blame motorists, right? Will, will... Uh, will always be well, but it's always it's always you know it's always the fault of the pigeons. It's never never the fault of the the people who are the planners, you know. But they'll always they should always call in and it's like they do their best. You should leave. You know they've tried their hardest. It's like wow, forty is a debacle, and 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 there and and really a lot of it is too where you where you learn. Trap the the way people do traffic patterns and things like that. Like like we all you know there's some some of it has to do with how we go to work. You know like why why do we 
why does everybody go to work at the same time and leave work at the same time? Like, why does everybody like pigeonhole themselves into this, you know, one pattern where, where maybe there's a, there's something to say about going to work earlier and leaving earlier and, and staggered kind of those kinds of things. But it is pretty, pretty funny. But 40 is, is like, they redid 40 and nothing changed. And I mean, there there are times when, like, on I think it was. Uh, well, by the way, I saw a car on fire yesterday. It was crazy. It was in flames. I hope the people were okay. I said a prayer for them when I rode by them last night. But with the exception of like accidents and things like that, uh, there are times like on a is it a Sunday, like a Saturday or something. It's like. Six o'clock at night, and you're heading east on 40, and it's a traffic jam, like right at 170. Like it, it jams up, and you're like, "How is this possible that that we we've come to this where they redid 40 and did everything else, and we're still, you know, in traffic jams like that?" That and then that whole thing where you're getting off at Hanley, going west. It's like, wow, how is it? possible we we kept you know and then of course there are i i you know i bragged about when i came back from italy all the uh the roundabouts which are i think a great traffic engineering feat where it keeps people going and it obviously create you know at intersections and things like that and they have it in dc as well uh in certain parts of dc which i think really work really well they do have some stoplights i think at them but generally it works pretty well and, and and they they uh the roundabout is a is a great engineering achievement because it keeps everybody moving and and and, and in in Italy for instance you are going and and they really do people are just you know kind of all part of a cog of the wheel and they're all moving and they're all going in their direction here but here in in St. Louis and and other and other places I I haven't been around that much I have to say but uh, here in St. Louis, this is uh, just the. F- I, 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 this is a. Uh, trying to trying to this is I'm trying to get my uh, my physics of Santa going for you here real quickly though. I got that for you later on. In here, physics of Santa. It's only two hundred uh, two minutes and fifty two seconds. You, you early birds, I'll give you a treat. I'll do it twice today, maybe, huh? But yeah, here in St. Louis, it's like it, it, we they just if if they have a issue to resolve they just put up a stop sign or a stoplight they just don't they just it's a, it's the worst kind of civic planning you could possibly imagine it's crazy anyway that's my speech of the morning yeah uh coming up in a few minutes carafano's going to join us we we are pulling out of syria which is uh now being met with the uh disdain of a certain never trumpers obviously who are all the neocons they they love war so they 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 won't you know you'll hear bill crystal and jeb bush and all the other people talking about how what a terrible idea it is to pull out of syria and general Mattis, it was it was pointed out in april uh said that we would be a it would be a mistake to leave syria because uh because we need 
some forces over there that would uh, not be influential to, you know, the the Russians and Iran and everything else that have people over there. And uh, that's changed, clearly. So everybody says, well, General Mattis said this in April. It's like, well, the commander-in-chief is saying this in December. So suck it. And General Mattis isn't the president of the United States. So the president of the United States can take in all the information he wants on this matter and 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 probably has and taken advice and made a decision because he's the elected commander-in-chief of the U.S. Armed Forces and he's the president of the United States. So you can talk all you want about what General Mattis said in April uh, and you can and you and you can refer to him all you want about what he said in April, but General Mattis A is not the president of the United States, and B it's not April. It's December, and President Trump is president of the United States, and if you don't like it, you can friggin' leave. And and uh there there is this now specter of the whole deal with leaving syria that this is somehow evidence of of russia collusion because uh this is exactly what putin wants is the is the uh is, is for us to leave syria so he can use it as his playground and blah 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 and uh that's Maybe the case, but isn't. We had uh, the news of the ISIS fighters who had uh, they found a bunch of mass graves out there. But we still have, I think, uh, upwards of five thousand troops in Iraq and right across the border there. And and, and so we have troops there now. Uh, and really, what we've been doing is we've been doing kind of an air war, as it was. Uh, air, air strikes and things like that hasn't really been any ground troops that kind of thing but I think it's uh, a good decision it's in keeping with what what the president has uh, ran on uh, and and what and what voters voted him in on which would which was uh, a non-interventionalist military policy and whereas Republicans of old and the neocons, the Bill Crystals of the world, uh, the Weekly Standard people, the uh, Never Trumpers don't like this because they love war, and and they and they love they love that 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 Obama invaded Libya and got rid of Gaddafi, which was the stupidest thing. On Earth, but but Obama did it, and and the neocons loved it, and and the Republicans didn't say a word about it. There wasn't anybody who protested, and and unfortunately, we had people like Lindsey Graham and John McCain and all the other uh, war addicts who loved the idea. Uh, John McCain even went over to Syria, and you know. Sat there and was arm in arm with the, with the terrorists over there. Yeah, as long as they were against you know, Assad, then it was fine. The despotic leader over there in Syria, but we'll talk to Carafato about that in just a few because I I've got him uh, on for six thirty five. 
which leaves me enough time, people, enough time to uh, not only play the national anthem and maybe a little Christmas music here and there, but also the physics of Santa. Now, the physics of Santa is interesting because we, uh, this was 1996, I believe. And let me just see here. Was it 96? Uh, 1995, actually. So that would be, uh, what, uh, 20, uh, oh, yeah, see, yeah, even even Kaysen is doing the whole Vladimir Putin loves this. This is signs of Russia collusion. These guys, you know, sud- suddenly even Kaysen loves war as long as, as, long as uh, President Trump doesn't like it. I think that's fascinating. Yeah, even even Kaysen is a it turns into a neocon warmonger when uh, when pre- when it's President Trump involved. So it's it's one it's one way to turn Kaysen into a Bill Crystal Weekly Standard conservative is to have President Trump make a decision to pull out of Syria. Suddenly, it's like they they're they're all uh, they all love. They all love war. It's great. Anyway, so 1995, and so this was, uh, how, what, how many years ago is that? 95 is, uh, what is it, 20? It's 28 uh, years ago. You believe that? That's crazy. Eight, five, six, seven, eight. 28 years ago. No, it's not 28 years ago. It's uh, 95 uh, I can't do the math here. Uh, 23 years ago. Yeah. It was 23 years ago. It's amazing. Anyway, so I'm on with uh, with uh, J.C. Corcoran, and I'm doing the news for him. And uh, and I, I come up with, I, I found this thing. Somebody gave it to me, actually, but it's it's, it's called The Physics of Santa. And so I give it to him, and uh, and he's not he's kind of leery about it, and he's one of these guys who kind of uh, you know uh, is uh, he's one of these guys who really is just kind of like, well, I'm I'm not really gonna you know uh, I, I'm the the show guy, and I'm and, and I've got valuable time here. It's Christmas, and I'm not quite sure whether I really want to. You know, listen, listen to this, uh, but but I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a give it a ride and see how it works. And so it turns out that Corcoran like loves it. And part of the fun of listening to it is to hear him, you know, laugh. And we all are laughing because it really is funny. And and actually, what it is is even if the kids are listening right now, uh, making sure that we know that this is actually a reaffirmation of of Santa's magic is what this is. This is a reaffirmation of the wonderment of Santa. Uh, not anything but that. It's like it's like the what you're hearing is like just if Santa were were a just a regular human and not magic, then he would be subjected to all of the physical forces that you know people are subjected to, but. No, Santa's magical, so he's able to withstand all of these things. So this is uh, December 1995 with J.C. Corcoran, everybody, 23 years ago. What's the facts about uh, Santa and his sleigh? Now, this isn't the uh, how much the 
12 Days of Christmas with No, Fox no, none of that Anybody, stuff. You, I hate you, that. You have my permission to put your foot through any television that, that sports a reporter that uh, calculates how much the 12 Days of Christmas, the 12 gifts thing, yeah. would cost in 1995. Don't say that too loud. I'm going to walk in today. Jamie, you know we have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> a News Channel 4 investigation. Go ahead. What do you got? Does Santa come with flying reindeer to deliver presents at Christmas? Well, here are just the facts. No known species of reindeer can fly, but there are 300,000 species of living organisms yet to be classified. Although most of these are insects and germs, this does not rule out flying reindeer. <laughs> Thanks to the different time zones, Santa has 31 hours of Christmas to work with, assuming he travels east to west. This works out to 822 visits per second. That means for each celebrating household with at least one good child in it, Santa has one one-thousandth of a second to park, <laughs> hop out of the sleigh, <laughs> jump down the chimney, fill the stockings, place presents under the tree, eat the snacks, and return to the sleigh. <laughs> That's one one-thousandth of a second. That's right. Yeah. Now, assuming all 91.8 million stops are evenly distributed throughout the Earth, the total trip will be 75.5 million miles. That means Santa's sleigh must move at 650 miles per second, 3,000 times the speed of sound. Assuming that each child gets nothing more than a medium-sized Lego set weighing about two pounds, the sleigh is carrying a payload of 321,000 tons, not counting Jolly St. Nick. A standard reindeer can pull no more than 300 pounds. Even if flying reindeer might pull 10 times more than normal reindeer, Santa would need 214,000 reindeer to pull the sleigh. The reindeer payload Santa and sleigh would weigh more than 353,000 tons. This is four times the weight of Queen Elizabeth, the cruise ship. This 353,000 tons traveling at 650 miles an hour creates tremendous air resistance, heating the reindeer <laughs> in the same manner as a spacecraft re-entering the Earth's atmosphere. The lead pair of reindeer will absorb 14.3 quintillion joules of air per second each. <laughs> Wait a minute. The lead reindeer, as a result, will burst into flames. Exposing the reindeer behind them and creating massive sonic booms in their wakes. The entire reindeer team will be vaporized within 4.2 thousandths of a second. Santa will be subjected to centrifugal forces 17,000 times greater than gravity. Assuming that Santa weighs 250 pounds, he would be pinned to the back of his sleigh by 4 million pounds of centrifugal force. Merry Christmas.
What would you do with the money if you didn't have to pay your house payment for two months, especially around the holidays? That's right. No house payment for two months. This is James Hawkins at Golden Oak Lending. Don't let money problems spoil your holidays. You can use the increased value of your home to pay off bills or get cash out. Put two months of house payments in your pocket. Visit GoldenOakLending.com or call 314-567-GOLD. NMLS 1149-37-111 West Fort Plaza, St. Louis, Missouri. Call 567-GOLD. Live from the Discovery Design Truck Care and Manufacturing Studios, it is Radio Free Almond. Common Sense Radio, everybody. Good morning this morning. Happy Thursday to all of you. It's uh, It's time to give Jimmy Carafano a call. Jimmy Carafano. Let me see if I can find him here. Yeah, that uh, that that physics of Santa was a fun thing to do. I, I think it was just kind of it's it's kind of fun just how it kind of uh, it kind of builds, you know. I'll play it later on too. Again. See if I can give Jimmy Carafano a call here. Hey. <laughs> hey, Jimmy Carafano. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> How are you? Good, good, my friend. Just sitting here listening to Christmas music and watching the world go crazy. What are you listening to, by the way, if you listen to Christmas music? Um, Alexa. Oh, okay. You just say you Alexa, know, Alexa, play Christmas music? I, yeah, and, and actually she started. <laughs> yes. I, I, I love Alexa. Yeah, I, gotta, I, wish I, could, I wish I knew how to do that kind of stuff. I always envy, envy people who know all that, that stuff, you know? You know, you go on, you, you, know, you, you, you get the Alexa, and then... Amazon. Amazon has this um, uh, music streaming thing, and they may not have every piece of music ever written ever, but it's probably close to that. And so, literally, just go like Alexa, play uh, Celtic Christmas music, <laughs> or play Pentatonics, or you know, some weird band you never heard of. And, right. And they come up with a playlist that it is really awesome. Oh, so they even they, they even... everybody. Make the playlist no, for no, you. My office hates it because I, I, I turn the thing up on loud and and you know and I have a you know plan like, uh, you know, Journey or something. <laughs> like, this is a professional thing tag here. We're not supposed to be playing rock music. And now a Journey Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I that would be great. Actually, hey, I'm, you know, um, Lindsay Sterling. Do you, you know what Lindsay Sterling? I don't know. Uh uh-uh. uh She's a she's a. Um, we saw her concert the other day. She's also on Amazon. She's she plays she plays the violin and dances and sings simultaneously, which I think is pretty amazing. She may not be the like the best 
fiddle player ever, but to, but fiddling and singing and dancing at the same time, I think is a bit. So, so she was on, her career started, she was on America's Got Talent. And I think she made it through, I can't remember what season, it was one of the early seasons. She made it through to like the quarterfinals or something. And literally the judges said, you know, girl, you will never fill an auditorium, you know? And um, so she, uh, she has the same agent now as Lady Gaga. She's had like millions of uh, YouTube uh, video things. Um, and uh, she's got, she's doing like this sold out concert Christmas tour. And, and she's a devout Mormon. And um, she does in the middle of her concerts, she stops and she does a witness right in the middle of her concerts. And uh, it's just kind of an amazing story. I mean, I, I, you know, it's kind of one of these Christmas stories, like, you know, people tell you, you'll never amount to anything. And, and she just proved them wrong. It's pretty awesome. That's great. Yeah. I was just thinking about that when I was uh, trying to secure some tickets for Natalie uh, to go see Lauren Daigle, who is another great musician, although she's not a fiddler, but she's a great singer and, uh, and yeah. she's like sold out everywhere you go. Lauren Daigle's sold out everywhere. You know, it's just kind of you know. But but I love these stories of people who just kind of came out of nowhere, and uh, you know, and and just right. just were were monsters. I think I think um, what's her name? Uh, uh, the the singer um, uh, Katy Perry was another example of of that. You know. I think it's pretty really? cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Katy Perry was like a, this, like little religious, you know, songstress, and wound up being like just a, a Christian songstress, wound up being like an amazing musician in her own right. It's it's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's it's Christmas, a gay time to live your dreams, my friend. Yes. So and a nice distraction from the crazy news stuff. Well, you, I saw was on Laura Ingham last night. Did you see that? No, probably not. N- n- well, I didn't. So you were on with Laura last night, huh? I was. Oh, I was. great! And uh, and the president, the president tweeted about it. Afterwards. He did. I'm not making this up. Yes. Oh well. Yes. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so I, I'm sorry about that. Did you retweet it or something? Because I haven't been on Twitter in a while. But uh, so no, what? I, I, I didn't. And what? I didn't use my Twitter handle, but. So what did he say? Well, it was actually it was supposed to be a debate about pulling out of Syria. Yeah. And of course the other the other guy was like, "Yeah, we should pull." And, and I'm and and I was like, "Well, dude, I don't want to debate you cuz first of all, I don't even know what the president's plan is here. It's like you know, somebody says the word D-Day and they say, "Well, is it a good idea or not?" And I'm like, "Well, if that's all I know is D-Day, right? And I don't actually know the plan. Like, how can I tell you?" And and you know, the president's we're leaving Syria, but there's no explanation of what's the timeline, how are we going to protect our U.S. interests, right? So none of the things that you would actually make an assessment of the decision on. And, and of course, everybody just explodes in comments, and all their comments are based on, you know, pretty much how they feel about the president. So if they hate the president, you know, they attack him. If if they, you know, never wanted to be in Syria Syria to begin with. They they don't like him if you're like Lindsey Graham and you, you want to be attacking everybody everywhere. He's, so I'm like everybody's just basically spouting their prejudices and their politics and not really analyzing this because there's nothing to analyze it. But anyway, so so then we got into this thing about the Middle East and I said, look, um, nobody can argue that the Middle East isn't better for Donald Trump. When he came in, we had a million refugees pouring in Western Europe. 
the the caliphate was as entrenched as ever, and they're both gone today. And Iran was running amok in the region, and now we're pushing back. So you cannot argue that you know Donald Trump has not been good for the region. That's well, and then he just. So that's what he tweeted. He well, he did. He, I, I, I have the tweet in front of me right here. It says, uh, it's Donald Trump, 9.04 p.m., 19th of December, 2018. Colonel Jim Carafano on Ingram Angle, and quotes you, Trump has made the Middle East a better place. When Trump came into office, ISIS was running amok in the Middle East. Over a million refugees poured into Western Europe. None of that is happening today. That's all due to Trump, and that was your, uh, you know, and, and and as of now, between now and uh, 6.47 a.m. Central Time, it has 9,328 retweets and 34,430 likes, so, well, you know. There you go. But, but that statement's true. I mean, regardless of whether you like the theory decision or you don't like the theory decision, that statement is absolutely factual and correct. Yeah, so so uh, what is your take then overall on the decision? I mean, I, I, it's it's weird because everybody is funneling their their uh, weird fantasist views about the president, about Russia, and all this stuff. Stuff. So all the all the collusion people uh, all believe this is a play into Putin's hands, and so suddenly they're all you know Russia suddenly un- unlike uh, they they forget that they voted for a guy who basically you know. Uh, said, you know, Obama, who who I think made the world an unsafe place, suddenly you're like, uh, they, they never complained about our collusion with Iran, but they, they were okay with, with, you know, this kind of thing. Right. So now they're saying that this is all playing yeah. in the hands of Russia. So what's your take on what's happening right now? Look, Syria has never been a strategic interest to the United States. Syria has been America's enemy for for many decades, and, and and they've been a pawn of Russia and Iran. That that's never hurt our interest in the Middle East. It's never really been a problem for us, right? Um, we're never going to take Assad out of the Russian and Iranian orbit. I mean, that it's not in our interest to do that, and there's not a realistic way to do that. So we're not giving anything to the Russians. He's not giving anything. This is like when people went after Eisenhower and said, well. You know the Russians crushed the Hungarian Revolution, and we let the Russians do that. I mean, we're not going to we're not going to fight the Russians over Hungary. I mean, it was part of the the we're just not going to do this. It doesn't make any sense. Sorry. So somehow that we're giving the Russians something that's just not true, and so we just have to put that off the table. And then the people say, well, we should have stayed in Syria because then we can be part of the political settlement. I'm like we we don't have the leverage to be part of the political settlement in Syria, and it's not our problem. So it's a total kind of confusion of interest. Um, we went in this Syria, and I, I was not the guy that was excited about having a footprint in Syria to begin with. We went in this Syria for one important purpose, and that was to destroy the caliphate. Because as long as there was a standing caliphate in the Middle East, ISIS had a claim of some credibility. So destroying the caliphate was the primary objective. And that was accomplished. And people kind of forget that. And it's like once you accomplish your goal, you kind of stop. Now, there you can make an argument that it made sense to continue to keep a footprint in Syria because we do have other interests. But it's not Assad, right? And it's not the – you know, it's just being mean here, but it's not the fate of the Syrian people. One is we don't want the Syrian war to spill out of Syria. 
right? We don't want it to destabilize Iraq and Jordan and spread problems in the Middle East. We don't want another million refugees pouring into Western Europe and destabilizing Western Europe. We don't want Iran and Israel to be bumping heads and starting another war. All those things are bad for U.S. interests. So the U.S. doing things in Syria that prevent that's makes perfect sense. Um, if we can do them without having a footprint in Syria, all the better. So my question is, is, is what's the plan, right? How are we going to continue to protect U.S. interests? I, I, and I think you're right. I think everybody's just channeling their love or hate of Trump and, and they're, and they're not actually analyzing. And, and the, the reality is, is there's nothing to analyze. All we have is a couple of Trump tweets. You can't make sense out of foreign policy from just looking at a couple of Trump tweets. So this is really interesting, which is who is the one country that might be really worried about the U.S. pulling out of Syria, uh, where the U.S. actually might really care there about their opinion, and that's Israel. And the last time, six months ago, when Trump said, I want to pull out of Syria, the Israelis got very rambunctious about, dude, you know, that's very, very dangerous right now. What's really interesting is so far, the Israelis haven't said anything. Wow. So what does yeah. that mean? Are they quietly trying to change Trump's mind, or have they been able over the last six months to establish conditions which they think adequately protect their interests and and uh, and, and quite honestly, a secure Israel is also in our interest. So, so I think we've got to wait and get more facts before we start running around and doing incredibly stupid, irresponsible things. I don't want to mention names, but Pelosi last night said, oh, he just pulled out of Syria because he's trying to distract people from the Michael Flynn right, case. Right, right, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's just wacky, you know, wag the dogs. <laughs> yeah, well. I mean, it, is that what we're in for for the next two years? That kind of leadership? Right. That, the House Majority Leader? Uh, yeah. Please. Yeah, that's, that, that is what, yes, that is what we're in for. So, it's interesting, though, too, because a couple of things uh, are are being thrown in the president's face now is that they're digging up, for instance, quotes from General Mattis in April. But but times change, right. first of all. And General Mattis also isn't president of the United States and nor commander in chief. And I, I, I'm not quite sure the president, although it wouldn't be beyond the realm of comprehension, I'm not quite sure the president would just simply defy all of his Joint Chiefs of Staff and and General Mattis and everybody else. Uh, I, I'm sure there's a level of sign-off to this. I mean, maybe not. Maybe the president is going rogue, but uh, I wouldn't imagine that be, to be the case. Well, I, I, I think you make really good points. Um, be, because of the very unconventional nature of this president and the way he does things, right, um, you know, everybody just assumes it's impulsive and nobody's involved and there wasn't a debate. And there wasn't a serious, we don't know any of that. Right. You know, if, if this was a normal president, right, there would have been a, a week ago, we would have had an announcement that the president's going to make an address to the nation and he would, you know, go up to the podium and he would deliver this long two hour speech explaining our policy. And, but that's that's not how this president operates. He just boots. And and here's the problem is everybody is reacting to their tweets. And what they're not doing is actually analyzing what is US policy. I mean your point about 
well, they, somebody said we shouldn't leave Syria, and they quote something from six months ago, right? As if conditions on the ground in Syria today are exactly identical to what they were six months ago. Um, you know, and then people are like, oh my God, now he's going to pull out of Afghanistan. Well, look, I don't know if he is. I, but what I do know is Afghanistan is a very different situation than Syria, and uh, and it should be treated and analyzed differently. And so I, I just there's just too much. I can't say Monday morning quarterbacking because a Monday morning quarterback is somebody that watches a game on Sunday and then he goes to the water cooler on Monday morning and he explains all the things the quarterback did wrong. But what we have is kind of instant, you know, armchair backseat quarterbacking, which is 60 seconds after the president tweets some, you know, Napoleonic genius who, uh, you know, with all their vast military experience of, Having watched, you know, you know, uh, you know, two episodes of you know World War II in space or something, is pontificating about the wisdom or the stupidity of the president's decision, and their only bit of factual evidence that they're arguing from is, a, you know, a, a sentence-long tweet from the president. Yeah. I, well, also, by the way, the this idea that we're 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 gone from the region is ridiculous because I think we have what five thousand troops still there right over the border, correct in in Iraq. Well, that and that, and these are the kind of things that, you know, we would need to know is, you know, the United States still has the capacity to re- reach into Syria and do things. Yes. Um, and and you know, we don't know what kind of arrangements, you know, we made with the Israelis, with the Turks. I mean, we so there's there's so much we don't know here, and just you know, just people presumptively, kind of analyzing this it's it's, <laughs> it's just you know it's just a good example of how bad washington works these days. <laughs> yeah i know well and, and i think i think it's it's important uh, that you r- reference the response of israel right now which is uh as far as we know uh there's no response right now and right. and, and, and <laughs> yeah i mean so so that would indicate that there, as you point out, there's there's some kind of behind the scenes machinations that might have been going on that we have no idea about. But everybody just kind of turns us into one of these uh, these uh, political things, and and it's Russia collusion, and Putin loves this, and it's crazy. You know, there's a there's a psychological term for this. It's called cognitive dissonance, right? <laughs> yeah, which is. I know you didn't know. I know those big two words, did you? Well, I mean, you and, and between you and explaining Monday morning quarterbacking, I mean, you're you're just uh, amazing this morning. Fonts of information. So you can Google it. When when you don't know the facts surrounding something, you make assumptions based on what you already believe, right? So if your teenager has been unruly and not behaving and got out drinking and stuff. And, and, and they're supposed to come in at, you know, eight o'clock and they didn't come home till 10. You automatically, I'm not you, of course, because we know that your children are saints, but you would automatically start yelling at your kids like you, you know, and because, and what you're doing is there, you don't know what, why the kids actually late, but you're just making an assumption based on what you believe, right? Maybe the kid had a flat tire, right? Maybe he stopped to help an old lady cross the street or something, right? And, and this is what we have in Washington, which is everybody has a Donald Trump in their head. And when Donald Trump tweets, rather than getting the facts and analyzing what's actually going on, they just listen to the Trump in their head and start spouting stuff. And I just think it's kind of embarrassing. I, like, I'm not saying the guy's right, that he made the right decision. 
I'm just saying I don't have the facts to evaluate the decision that the president just made. That that that's all. And and look, I'm angry at the. I've already, you know, you know, emailed the White House and said, look, <laughs> you know, even people that are predisposed to understand your policies. If we don't know what the hell you're doing, it's not like we can help explain what you're doing. You know, they're like, it kind of would have been nice. Yeah. Well, but, 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 so what did you think? Like when, when, when the president uh, tweeted that, like what, what did you, what, what went through your mind? Like, what did you think when you, when you saw him tweeting Colonel Jim yeah, Carafana? I, I'm just, a, I know yeah, you're not I'm like that. An but. Analyst. Yeah, no, I, I'm not. Look, I'm just an analyst. My job is to look at stuff and figure out what the right answer is. I am not a, uh, yeah, I, I don't need people paying a lot of attention to, you know, it's not about me, right? It's about the policies that we analyze. And so from a think tank perspective, I, I always get a little uncomfortable when it's about you as a person, right? So I mean, I, if the president said an analyst at the Heritage Foundation, a tweet, I'd have been much happier right or somebody said this but um but it does it actually doesn't help my job because it's not about me and whether i'm right or wrong it's about the analysis we produce and whether it's constructive or not so um i don't have any desire to have you know you know 27 million twitter Twitter followers right no i I guess yeah i I, i'm with you uh so have you ever actually like had I mean, this might be a dumb question. I'm sorry if I'm asking you, but have you had, actually had like a face-to-face conversation with President Trump? Well, not not since he's been president. I briefed him twice when he was a candidate. Oh, really? Yeah, and so I, I have I have met him twice. Um, I've met Ivanka. I've uh, I met Jared. Um, I guess just one one meeting since he, they were in the White House. Um, yeah. So. Wow. Well, I you know, you know and 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 I think that the president when he makes these kinds of decisions, I, I you know, people always try to insinuate somehow that he doesn't make these uh informed decisions, but I but to me, I I don't think there's any way shape or form that he could not have possibly had all the consultations in the world over this thing and that this was actually a planned event and and it wasn't just t- taking place over a period of 24 hours but you know my my and i'm just a guessing guy now right um because i don't have any evidence for this but my guess is um and look if i can just back up for just a second <laughs> what we don't want is is another somalia right what happened in somalia is clinton puts troops on the ground in somalia to help with a famine, everything's going okay. And then all of a sudden we go into this mission creep thing. Well, you know, we're here, we might as well try to fix the country. And then we're involved in trying to, you know, build the nation, everything else. And, and then we have a, then we have a disaster, a bunch of troops get killed. And then people say, well, what the hell are we doing in Somalia? And, and then, then we look like idiots and withdrawing. Right. So the last thing you would want is trying to hold on to a permanent footprint in Syria when we really don't need a permanent footprint in Syria. And then someday you have a Kobar Towers or something in Syria, and then everybody be yelling at, why are we there? So we, we needed to get out. We need to get out the right time. I'm not sure if this is exactly the right time, but, but, I, if, but looking at the timeline and everything, what I would believe is, you know, six months ago, the president said, okay, we went into Syria for one purpose, to destroy the caliphate. 
the caliphate's destroyed. We got to get out of here. And then, and then everybody went to him, including the Israelis, and saying, no, 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 you don't want to do that. Because if you do that, we might wind up with big refugee flows. The war could kick up again. You know, the Iranians could take a bit of advantage of this. There's some stuff we need to do to, to make sure that when we walk away, we're not just walking away and big problems are going to follow us. And the president said, would say, and I'm just making this up because I don't know if it's true. The president say something like, fine, you got six months, right? And they go, okay, fine. We'll, we'll take care of it in six months. And then he look, he gets up yesterday and says, six months are up, we're leaving. That makes sense to me. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, and one one thing I think that that we can we we know is true that uh, that that we we have had those moments, and there are some people who are worried. I guess that this is a you know GW mission accomplished moment, maybe uh, because what happened is right after this announcement's made, suddenly we hear about you know mass graves that have been found, and that ISIS executed a bunch of prisoners and. Uh, when they moved into their that that area there around the border, they right. they killed people and that and as proof they're not there. But there's no question that the caliphate, as it is, then the leadership has been severely diminished, and that you you have right now right. maybe a bunch of rogue fighters who can be, you know, uh, just bomb from the sky if we need to. And so uh, you, there's always that possibility that maybe this will this will re-energize ISIS, but they don't have the structure anymore to do that. But I mean, this is a, people say, "Well, ISIS is defeated." Well, what does that mean? Every ISIS guy is killed, right? Um, so I mean, there's a lot of lack of thing. But I, I think you make a really good point there. And actually, it's you know, if you know, everybody picks the Trump tweet they want, right? So. Trump didn't exactly say mission accomplished. I mean, if you look at some no. of the retreats, he acknowledges like there's going to continue to be fighting in the Middle East and there's going to continue to be ISIS in the Middle East. And he didn't claim that you know all the problems are. He never said that everything's solved now. He never said. You know, all he said was is, but you know, he said ISIS defeated. I think the the more accurate term would have been the caliphate has been defeated, which is completely true, right? But he didn't say that everything, all the problems are solved. He just said that it's no longer efficacious for the United States to have a military footprint in Syria. Like I said, that may be the right decision or not. I don't know because we don't know actually well what the plan is. But but what we're not doing is we're not evaluating U.S. policy. We're evaluating the the clarity of Trump's tweets. Yeah. Maybe maybe all the people now who have been – it's interesting because for a while there, you're like – you have all these people going, we're spending so much money on missiles and blah, 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 blah military, and, and then now suddenly we're pulling out. It's like, no, you can't do that. Let's spend, you know, it's, it's like, what do people want? You know, And, and, and it's all – it's unfortunately just mostly about politics. But listen, right. once again, though, it appears the president is delivering – on his campaign themes, and, and and one of them was a non-interventionalist policy that was uh, the opposite of the neocon policy, and even you know as as much as Sarah Palin supported President Trump, even Sarah Palin was a lot more hawkish on Syria than he was. You know, I remember when they talked about the creating the no-fly zone in Syria, and it was like I, I was among the people who were thinking to myself. Well, that's a problem because the minute you create a no-fly zone, you have to suddenly 
enforce a no-fly zone. So when you have a no-fly right. zone and somebody violates it, suddenly you were, it's wartime, and that's not always a good idea. So, th- I mean, this is very simply what Trump says his foreign policy is. He goes, look, I am not Bush. I'm not going to go out and try to solve the world's problems. I'm not going to rebuild nations. I'm not going to change regimes. Yeah, I, I, I'm just not going to go out and try to solve everything. I'm not that guy. Because I am also not Obama. I am not going to walk away from everything and just pat everybody in the head and hope they play nice. Because that just lets, gives the bad guys. I am the guy that I will go out and I will protect American interests. I will do that. And then, then I'm going to stop. And yeah. I, I really do think that, that they see themselves as midway between the, uh, the apathy and, and often the cowardice and the, uh, and the unrealism of, of Obama and what, what uh, arguably was kind of the overly zealous foreign policy of, of uh, the Bush administration. They see themselves as the guy in the middle who, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like the cop in the neighborhood. He goes, I'm not going to get a gun and walk around the neighborhood and shoot every guy in the neighborhood that looks like a drug dealer. I'm not going to do that. He says, I'm also not going to sit in the coffee shop and just eat donuts all day long. I'm going to stand on the street corner. And if there's somebody that tries to do a crime, I'm going to stop him. But if there's not, I'm just going to let people walk down the street and let them go about living their life. That, I mean, that's, that's how they see themselves. And I think that's the context in which to evaluate this particular decision in Syria. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, I think that's a, that, that's a good way to do it. And, and I, I, th- I think we actually kind of, uh, dodged a bullet a little bit because that situation that we undertook in Libra, uh, in Libya and removing Gaddafi and and actually helping kill him was quite possibly one of the biggest blunders I thought at the time was uh, it was going to it was going to reenergize uh ISIS and and terrorism and everything else it probably still has uh, but nonetheless, if it weren't for some of our more aggressive actions uh, where we were able to kind of keep that at bay, I, I think it could have been worse. So I'm glad that it hasn't yeah. blown up. I mean, there is, there, I mean there, there, this, there is no right answer in foreign policy. It's a competition, right? There isn't a playbook that you can follow. There isn't if you just stick to one ideology or, or if you're strictly a non-interventionist or if you're a neocon. The, the the answer in foreign policy is the right answer is always the right answer. Right. And which which is it, some days it could be you know go shoot the guy. Some days it could be you know you know build a wall and wave at the guy from the other side. It it depends. Uh, and and you're not going to make all the right decisions. I mean anybody who says well my foreign policy is going to be great because I will do everything exactly right. I mean that doesn't happen because the other guy gets a vote. And you know sometimes the other guy out smart and out with you. So what you do is you you try to be prudent and reasoned, and you and you start with what is in the best interest of the United States, and 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 and, and American always look at foreign policy that we always look at interests and values. We want to protect Americans and we want to be a, a, a force for good in the world. You know we like to work together with our allies and friends, and and we balance all those interests. You know it's like. You know, it's like a marriage, right? You don't always do everything your wife says, right? I mean, you'd like to keep your wife happy, but you'd also like not to run up credit card bills. And, you know, and, and occasionally you'd like to, you know, go out with the guys and, you know, watch a football game. So you, you try to, but you don't want to get divorced over any of that stuff, right? So you, you try to be prudent and make it all work. I mean, and I do think that that's what this administration is trying to do. 
And instead of focusing on an assessment of how well is are they doing at actually managing U.S. foreign policy, we all try to use Trump, you know, tweets and comments to kind of portray our own anxieties and politics and prejudices in the world. And, you know, so you get what you get. And look, I mean, people did this with Obama as well. Um, and, and I think sometime all that anger kind of prevented, you know, clarity of analysis and understanding. But, um, you know, I we were very critical of how Obama walked away from Iraq because we said, look, just walk it. You know, even people that were critical of invading Iraq to begin with, they said, look, you know, there are no do-overs in foreign policy. You are where you are. You know, walking away ill-prepared can just leave a giant mess. We think that's a big mistake, right? And and somebody says, well, how can you be in favor of, of not walking away from Iraq and then but want to walk away from Syria? It's because the situation's different. Just like Afghanistan. I mean, if the president tweeted tomorrow, you know, we're, we're, we're walking away from Afghanistan and those guys are on their own, I would, I would say that's wrong. But, but that's because it's, it's a different situation. I mean, you have to use some judgment here. It's, you know, it's like when the quarterback goes up the field, I mean, you know, he's not going to call the same play every time, right? He doesn't know exactly what he's going to do because part of it matters, you know, what's the yardage for the first down? What kind of defense does the enemy have? Is it snowing or raining or something? I mean, that's why we have a quarterback, so they can do analysis and make decisions. And they listen to people, but in the end, the quarterback has to decide. You, you don't ever see the thing that says, you know, everybody on the all everybody in the backfield wanted to run. Stupid quarterback wanted to throw the pass. That's right. the way it works, right? I mean, the quarterback, you know, he's, and the coach, they've got to make decisions based on input from all the people. And that's all these guys are doing. This is no different than what Roosevelt did or Abraham Lincoln or or Dwight Eisenhower or, or, or George Washington. You know, this is not a guy sitting in the office and waking up and says, Waking up in the morning and saying, "Okay, we're done in Syria. I'm going to tweet that today." I mean, it's not what's happening, but that—that's how many people would prefer to portray it because that's the Trump that lives in their head. Yeah, that's crazy. I, you're like Mister Analogy this morning. I love it, man. You like to have? <laughs> you know, you, it's. Uh, I, I love it. Hey, but you I know. Why? <laughs> uh, you know, I I have to tell you just real quick. Do you have Do you have a second here, or you got to get going? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, the other day, my mom and I are hanging out, and oh, hey, Jeff, go a minute. Go ahead. What's yeah. that? What'd you say? I, I got, I got like one minute. Okay, yeah. well then that's that's not enough time. But I, let me just ask you this: so my mom and I are hanging out, and uh, we, you know, and, and my mom, you know, I, I I come home with a couple of the old ornaments that I grew up with, and she didn't hang on her tree, and I love these little music box ornaments, music balls, these music ball ornaments that my and then my girls loved them, and I brought them home, and all that kind of stuff. Well, I was hanging out with her; she showed me one of these beautiful little uh, paintings, like it was a. Uh, almost iconography uh, from a church in Poland that was given to my grandmother who went over in Geneva, uh, collected coats for the Polish people there in the late 50s wow. who were being oppressed by the Russians. And I, I, I had a conversation about this and wasn't quite sure of the exact nature of what happened over there. But it was, but it was my impression that the polls were kind of sold out by FDR w- during Yalta, and 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 that and that they wound up being uh, oppressed. Is that correct or not correct, or what was up going on with that? <laughs> so he had, I guess he did have to go. 
<laughs> Let me call. I'm going to call his ass back and see what happened there. So he literally did have like a minute, apparently. Jim Carafano. What happened? Oh, I, I got to run. I got another interview. Oh, Sorry. he just hang up on me? <laughs> I'm sorry, I was trying to call this place. I still love you, though. All right, that's fine. So, what's the end of the story? I was, I, I was, I was asking you what the end of the story was because I was, I was trying to be like, what? So, what was the deal there with the Polish people? Was were were, were they sold out or were they not sold out by FDR? Oh, uh, you know, you know, I don't think. Look, the Russians had already occupied Poland. I mean, the, the U.S. could not. I mean, we weren't going to fight the Russians over Poland. So, I think it's unfair to say FDR sold. You know, sold Poland out. It, you know, it's a lot like Syria. It's like saying, "Oh, well, we, you know, we, we sold the Syrians out. Well, the Russians are already in Syria. We can't do anything about that." Right. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry about that. Well, that's what <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> just hang up on me. All right, buddy. Well, listen. Um, I guess right. next week we might not. Well, I won't be on the air next week, so I'm off next week. So I wish you a very merry Christmas and thank you so much for your support over the past six months, brother. I I so appreciate you and uh, you're the man. I love you, man. All right. See you in the new year. Okay. Take care. Sunset Strip. Somebody's gonna make a happy trip tonight. While the moon is bright, he's gonna have a bag of crazy toys to give the corners of the girls and boys. So day Santa comes on day. Come a calling when the snow's the most. When all your cats are sleeping warm as toast. And you gonna flip with old Saint Nick. A razor lick on a peppermint stick. You come a flying from a higher place. Fill the stocking by the fireplace. So you, ever you that's Live from the Discovery Design. Truck Care Manufacturing Studios. Yeah, this is Radio Free Almond. Good uh, morning. Happy Thursday. Yeah, Carafano's funny. <laughs> But you knew, you know, you saw how I didn't take any crap, right? I mean, how one of the things I can say of myself is that I am persistent. Like I could have just said, "Well, I guess he had to go," or whatever. No, I called his ass back and asked. For an explanation, you know what I mean? Somebody's gonna make a happy trip tonight. Just don't hang up on Radio Free Almond like that. I don't care who you are. I don't care whether you're tweeted out by President Trump the night before or not. You're not hanging up on my ass. I wanna I wanna I want a real goodbye. I wanna kiss goodbye. Don't be walking out on me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> on 
I think Kara Fowler just thought, well, if I just hang up, I'll just he'll maybe he'll just be like, well, we'll just be a might just like he'll just think something happened and go away. It's like, nah, nah, man, hang up on me. You don't just you don't just like go away on me. You think I am? I'm getting I've been getting text bombed by Kason who suddenly has become like a hawk now, you know. New York Times, here's the headline. New York Times Mississippi folks gathering there because it's Christmas time in New Vladimir Putin welcomes U.S. withdrawal from Syria. Of course. That, that, this is, that's going to be the whole left-wing thing now, is it, you know. Vladimir Putin suddenly the... Uh, Suddenly, the, 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 I, love, I love how the left suddenly has, they become like concerned about national security and everything else, you know. Let's see. Um, let's just do a little experiment here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of... Uh, I'm going to do a Bing search here. Ready for this? Let me just Bing search. Obama. Russia. I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to do those little two little things. Obama, Russia. I haven't pushed the search button yet. But I'm going to punch it now. Oh, no, no, no. Here, let me do this. Well, I just came up with a bunch of stuff on Obama, Russia, because it's all, it's all, it's all, it's all reformed. Let me, let me, let me do this. Obama, Russia, Romney. Put that in there. Oh yeah. Okay. Here, and then we'll we'll do uh, uh, we'll do a couple of them here. Okay. Oh, happy New Year to you too, everybody. Oh. What a year it was. My, oh, my, what a year it was. Oh, yes, we came into a bunch of dough. Yes, we did. This is one of my, like, this is one of my absolute least favorite Christmas songs ever. I don't like that one. I hate. I can't stand that song. 
Oh, hi, Ella. How are you? Thank you. Keep her coming in today. Look at that. Carafano hangs up on me and Ella comes in. See? called bullying. That's hor- horrible, Ella. <laughs> I, li- I actually like I like the Rudolph, the original Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer show, you know? Because Santa was really kind of crabby in that one. I liked, I liked that about him. Like, when I was a kid, that never bothered me that Santa was a crab apple. You know what I mean? Oh Rudolph, you can't! I didn't hurt me. He was like he was always yelling at people and stuff. But I never that didn't ever it didn't ever occur to me that was a problem. You know what I mean? I never like mommy. Santa seems to be crabby. I didn't. I didn't just like Santa Claus. I figured Santa was probably a you know or formidable figure. Aw, Ella. I love her. You know Dasher and Fancher and Vixen, but what do you know about Rudolph and his nose? But you know, uh, nowadays there's all this kind of like uh, discussion of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and how Santa was a, uh, everybody was a bully and I didn't care about that when I was a kid. Two things I really loved about uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and, and also that I was terrified. I thought I thought that the uh, it was he was the he wasn't the abominable snowman. Was he? Was that that was that what he was? Or the uh, I liked um, the the guy who was the sleigh guy. That guy. Like that dude. Klondike Clark Clark, whatever his name is. Cause he was always he was like crazy. I thought the uh land of the misfit toys was a little weird. Black the guy talks like this all the time. <laughs> I like that guy. And then uh, Hermie was—I thought Hermie was all, all right to me. You know, he was—he was kind of a cool, cool cat. You know, Hermie. We did. Yeah. Apparently, they're not in the Christmas spirit. Is that the? Uh, is that why? Why are they doing that to me? I wonder. Is it, is it the album? I wonder if that's it's just the album. I don't know why they would do that to me, though. 
I guess that's the way they, they go, huh? It's the way those people operate, huh? Jackasses. Facebook jackasses. Oh, well. You pull me off for Ella Fitzgerald. I guess it's Ella. Is it Ella Fitzgerald, you think, or that one? I don't think. What? Are we? It's Christmas time, everybody. And everybody's just everybodying. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'll get to Obama and Romney in a second, but I don't really like the, uh, I don't understand sometimes like on the, uh, on the have yourself a, a merry little Christmas. Why people, uh, why people sing that as a sad song, you know what I mean? Let me get back on uh, on Facebook here. <laughs> I don't know what Scott was talking about. Helpful teen driving tips. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was what I was talking about, running red lights. Yeah, I don't, I don't like red lights. But if nobody's around, I run them. And there's no such thing. As, the red light cameras, people are like, oh, there's a red light camera up there. It's like, baloney. There's no such thing as a red light camera. And you know what? I'm seriously... Uh, I, I, I wouldn't, and plus those red light cameras, even if you get, do get a red light ticket, I would, I, I never pay, I'd never pay them, ever. Nothing ever happened to me, because it's baloney, you can't, they can't do that to you. But I, I do have, I, I have had, like, an issue, you know, like, with, uh, with, if you're going to get me off for this. Of course, this has got this is great right here. This is Billy Eckstein. Don't get much better than that, right? There's a candle in your window. I don't understand the uh, the have yourself a very uh, a merry little Christmas when they sing that one. Like, why do they sing it so sadly, though? Like, why? why how is that sad? Have yourself a merry... It's like, don't be so glum, chum. You have yourself a merry little Christmas. Have yourself a merry little Christmas or else. People. Good morning this morning, everybody. Good morning this morning. I wonder if these people... I don't think these people can catch on with this one, though. I'm at a blues game all of a sudden. Jimmy Smith. Oh, it's interrupted again? It must be this album. Is it the album? Oh, it's actually the internet now, huh? 
Okay. Oh, there, no, I'm back. It's the internet now. The Facebook war on Christmas. They don't know about this one, though. They have... uh... I like this one. This is Sting. They're not going to get... There's no way they're going to get me on this one. Unless... this This is a very special Christmas... It's 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 like a fundraiser for AIDS. Back in the nineties. I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. And what was in those ships all three on Christmas Day? It wasn't really I wouldn't say it's a fundraiser for AIDS, you know what I mean? Because you wouldn't run a fundraiser for AIDS, but you want a fundraiser to fight AIDS. But this wasn't a fundraiser for AIDS. Yeah, I don't know whether uh, Mama K is like saying uh, that Sting is a liberal. I, I guess he probably is, but he doesn't really mention anything until he's asked, though, you know. I will tell you that Sting is a uh, is cool because he's like he's a he's a trained vocalist. Like he's a he's a he's a he's a like a highly trained vocalist. Thank you, Sting. Appreciate that very much. Christmas time has come. Joy for everyone. Christmas time has come for you. You didn't think I had some smashing pumpkins Christmas music, did you? I knew I knew you didn't. It's pretty good too. This is uh I have these CDs. Christmas time has come. This is um a very special Christmas number three. And these are good, these are good, good CDs, good series. And, and actually what's really cool about it is the, uh, is the CDs have, uh, on the cover, they have a, I don't know whether you guys remember Keith Haring. Keith Haring was this kind of minimalist, almost like a graffiti artist. And you'd see some of his uh, stuff on the uh, on the subways and things like that. And uh, he wound up dying 
I think of AIDS, but they these were all fundraisers back in like the late 80s for to, to fight AIDS. And they were all these people came up with the, all these different all these different uh, artists recorded Christmas songs. I don't think they're going to pull me off for these. I don't think so. I could play these all day long, couldn't I? Like this is the, like this is Smashing Pumpkins singing Christmas time. But they also have uh, how about you too? It's Christmas. Speaking of you two, you know Daniel Burrows and and, and the rest of the gang, you two hype. They're going to be at Johnny's West on Friday, 8 o'clock. Yeah, this is uh, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home by you 2 So all these guys came out. All they, they, they did a couple of it was, it was three different uh, albums. Do I have all of them? I don't have all of them, but I have uh, I have uh, the original one, a very special Christmas from '87, and then they had a very special Christmas from '97. So ten years later, they did another one. You too. I bet you. I bet you. I bet you. Daniel can 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 play this one, couldn't he? Yeah, Johnny's West, eight o'clock tomorrow. Here's here's one. This is this is pretty good. This is this is uh, this is the. Uh, I should make you. I should make you guys play a game. I wish I had prizes to give away. You have to guess the artist. Who's this, people? Tell me. Way to go, Kimberly McDonald. Melissa's right, too. You both are right. I love Annie Lennox. Kimberly and Melissa win the prize. I wish I knew what it was. It's being awesome. Yeah, Melissa. Two Melissas. <laughs> Lenny Annex. Nice. I love her, though. I wonder whatever happened to her. Is she still around? This is your rhythmics. You know, I, you don't think you, you didn't think I you, you don't think I have. Uh, 
You don't think I have Bob Seger singing the little drummer boy, do you? You don't. You, you can. There's no way. Like, there's no way he has that. There's no way. Golly, she's so cool. Yeah, you don't think I... There's no way I have Bob Seger singing Little Drummer Boy, right? There's no way, right? Oh. Surprise, surprise. This is not only Bob Seger, it's Bob Seger... And the Silver Bullet Band, people. Come on. You go, man. You go do it to it, man. You know, one of my, um, I have to tell you, obviously, one of my, uh, one of my favorites, obviously, we had the, we said the Oh Holy Night Off, you know, and uh, one of my favorite versions of Oh Holy Night actually comes from, uh, Comes from, comes from none other than Tracy Chapman. I should have, I should have, I should have challenged you to guess who this was. I like this one. I love Tracy Chapman. It's a great version of Oh Holy Night, though. Should have had another Oh Holy Night off, but didn't. Thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for young. 
That's a good version of that. I also have a um, couple of versions of uh, Silent Night that I like that are actually the rock and roll versions of it. Speaking of... Uh, I'm sure Tim Ingram, I'm sure they did... I'm, I'm sure Metallica did do a... Uh, they had to have done a Christmas song, but maybe not on this album, though. This is... Uh, well, you tell me who it is. Guess, guess this artist. Wait, Melissa, you're right on top of the chick music, aren't you? So is Kimberly. And Elaine. It's a nice version of this. <laughs> RJ Turner was Elmer Fudd. <laughs> Here's another one, though. Here's another version of this. Here's another version of Silent Night. You guys know who this is, though, right? Come on. Matt, you can't play, dude. (laughs) Cheater. You work at a music studio. <laughs> right on, Brandy. I love Anya, though. And Elaine knows Sinead O'Connor, but I do love Sinead O'Connor, too, even though she's crazy. What's wrong with crazy? You know what I mean? Nothing wrong with being nuts. Just, just be glad I'm not playing you the... Uh, the Patty Smith version of We Three Kings, which might possibly be the most awful Christmas song ever recorded. Oh, Dawn. Dawn, you are ahead of me. Listen to you. You're way ahead of me. But I got it. Just so you know.
Gotta love the keyboards on this one, right? You know, one of you, what, you guys have to. Um, oh, sorry about that. One of my favorite, uh, if you want to kind of off the grid, really great, great Christmas album that is also really steeped more in a folky religious version of it is. Uh, Bruce Coburn's Christmas album. It's from It's from 1993. I love this album. And uh this is a great song. This is a great uh great bit. By the way, this is the same guy who wrote uh If I Had a Rocket Launcher. If I had remember that remember that song, if I had a rocket launcher, he's he's singing "Mary Had a Baby" and it's, it's a whole album of these great kind of uh, folky Christmas songs. Uh, and this obviously this one is a is a very uh, you know an ancient kind of uh, uh, revivalist type of uh, song. But uh, it's a it's a really good one. He did a, he did a great job with this one. But you'd like the um You'd like the Bruce Coburn version. Yeah, cowbell. Right on, man. I would definitely I would definitely check that one out. I think I had a really good one um And I usually I would play this maybe towards the uh I would maybe I I uh I would play the uh the uh the, the version of the, the Frank Sinatra Christmas album, which I really like, called The Christmas Collection. And it actually has one of the last songs that Frank Sinatra actually ever recorded. And it was a version of Silent Night. I think I'll wait till tomorrow to play that. Because I normally... Uh, 
I, I normally would. Uh, I normally would play that like as one of the last uh, songs I'd play before taking off for the holidays, but it's a really, it's a really good one. The the the, the uh, few one of the last songs Frank Sinatra ever actually played. It was really amazing. This might be a good time for me to go ahead and do the physics of Santa for you again. That early, but. Uh, from 1995, and the, the, the story around the physics of Santa is the uh, is uh, the was with, I was working with JC, uh, and we were over at uh, Rock 93.7 KSD, everybody, and I was uh, JC's news guy, I guess a sidekick or news guy or whatever you want to call it, and I. Uh, I had a lot of fun working with JC. Yeah, Nancy, you 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 good with this? You okay? You're laid up with back pain, huh? Girl, I hope you get better. I know it's a, uh, this is probably the best time to be laid up because it's Christmas. I mean, well, you know what I mean. You're like you're gonna have some time off or something, but I really have. I have a I have a pretty good collection of Christmas music that I love. Anyway, so I was working with JC, and uh, one of the things I loved about working with JC uh, is that uh, you, you people people think he's you know controversial, all that kind of stuff, and I get it. But uh, but really, in the end, uh, he's one of, the, one of the hardest working guys in radio ever, and and actually, um, and actually also loved his audience. So there was uh, it was fun working with him on that level. Because he was a, he was a really hard worker and very um, demanding, and we got along great in that sense. Because I'm I like the, I like that attitude. So this is 1995, and so I uh, came in with this with this uh, with this idea, you know this 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 uh, this what I thought was going to be a cool uh, thing. Uh, regarding the with 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 uh, with the physics of Santa, so let me let me oh, let me hear it draw it up, and, and uh, so I I it's it's kind of like this is a reaffirmation, really. This isn't a debunking of Santa Claus, obviously, because you wouldn't want to do that because Santa Claus is real, and there's no sense in debunking him. So uh, there's a, but but you always want to make sure that uh, that Santa Claus is uh, reaffirmed in terms of uh, uh, Santa Claus's magic. You know, and so anytime you can reaffirm Santa Claus's magic, then you are able to uh, have fun with that. So uh, this is a reaffirmation of Santa Claus's magical abilities, because given all the physical properties uh, and all the things it would take for Santa to, to beat and go to all the places he'd need to go, uh, you, you'd have to have certainly magical powers because a normal, average, everyday person would not uh, would not be able to to do that. Wouldn't be able to achieve what uh, what Santa Claus was able to achieve, which is why he's Santa Claus and we're not. It's kind of pretty clear that you could come up with that. You know uh, that situation. It's 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 you know this is this is what it's all about, and so. 
I came on when JC was a skeptical. Because, you know, I mean, usually one of these, you know how, you know, it's it's kind of like um, Christmas, the Christmas news and Christmas media stuff is always the same. It's like we always go through these uh, Christmas controversies, you know, like, you know, somebody doesn't like a candy cane because it's shaped like a J and some little school barred the blah, blah, blah. And that becomes the big Christmas controversy or whatever. And then you have the... Um, you know the usual. You know, and then we uh, we went through the baby. It's cold outside controversy, and you know, and and there's always this thing that Christmas is under attack and stuff like that. And you know, usually Christmas is just fine. You know, I love the fact that President Trump back in the day when he was campaigning, he went up on stage. There was all these Christmas trees around, like daring people to get mad about it. That 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 I like. I like that kind of stuff where it's like. You know, but 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 normally I would I don't think of Christmas as being under siege, you know, because I mean it, you know it's Christmas is fine, thank you. I mean, even and then then there's all the thing where people say uh, Happy Holidays and everybody gets upset because they're not saying Merry Christmas. It's like okay, whatever. So anyway, that that but then then you also have the uh, the situation where people get uh, they do these stories about. Uh, about individuals who, you know, they, they what if, uh, let's add up the 12 days of Christmas. It's like, oh, Lord, really? If you had to pay for the 12 days of Christmas, how much would it cost? And they total it all up. It's like, oh, that's boring. So anyway, so when, so when I approached JC with the physics of Santa, they were, uh, he was skeptical because he was like, okay, uh, well, you know, what what's going to, what is this? Because this isn't this isn't one of those things you're talking about, like where you're adding up all this. And and JC actually recognized that early, and so I went ahead and and so it was it was a so. But JC gave me the opportunity to go ahead and do it. We had fun with it, and this is 1995, 23 uh, years ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, what is it? Jamie can't even play Christmas music with the peanut gallery. I know. <laughs> Yeah, I know. People people get all um people always have something to say, don't they? RJ. But yeah, I mean, you know, you play music, not everybody's gonna like what you're playing, and I've never worried about that. But anyway, uh here it is. And this was from nineteen ninety five. Twenty three years ago, my people. Santa and his sleigh. Now this isn't the how much the twelve days of Christmas would no, cost? No, no, none of that Anybody, stuff. You, I hate. You that. have my permission to put your foot through any television <laughs> that that sports a reporter that uh, calculates how much the twelve days of Christmas, the twelve gifts thing, yeah. would cost in nineteen ninety five. Don't say that too loud. I'm going to walk in today, Jamie. You know we have it. I <laughs> <laughs> a news channel four investigation. Go ahead. What do you got? Does Santa come with flying reindeer to deliver presents at Christmas? Well, here are just the facts. No known species of reindeer can fly, but there are 300,000 species of living organisms yet to be classified. Although most of these are insects and germs, this does not rule out flying reindeer. Thanks to the different time zones, Santa has 31 hours of Christmas to work with, assuming he travels east to west. This works out to 822 visits per second. That means for each celebrating household with at least one good child in it, Santa has one one-thousandth of a second to park, hop out of the sleigh, <laughs> jump down the chimney, fill the stockings, place presents under the tree, eat the snacks, and return to the sleigh. That's one one-thousandth of a second. 
That's right. Yeah. Now, assuming all 91.8 million stops are evenly distributed throughout the Earth, the total trip will be 75.5 million miles. That means Santa's sleigh must move at 650 miles per second, 3,000 times the speed of sound. Assuming that each child gets nothing more than a medium-sized Lego set weighing about two pounds, the sleigh is carrying a payload of 321,000 tons, not counting Jolly St. Nick. A standard reindeer can pull no more than 300 pounds. Even if flying reindeer might pull 10 times more than normal reindeer, Santa would need 214,000 reindeer to pull the sleigh. The reindeer payload Santa and sleigh would weigh more than 353,000 tons. This is four times the weight of Queen Elizabeth, the cruise ship. This 353,000 tons traveling at 650 miles an hour creates tremendous air resistance, heating the reindeer <laughs> in the same manner as a spacecraft re-entering the Earth's atmosphere. The lead pair of reindeer will absorb 14.3 quintillion joules of air per second each. <laughs> Wait a minute. The lead reindeer, as a result, will burst into flames. Exposing the reindeer behind them and creating massive sonic booms in their wakes. The entire reindeer team will be vaporized within 4.2 thousandths of a second. Santa will be subjected to centrifugal forces 17,000 times greater than gravity. Assuming that Santa weighs 250 pounds, he would be pinned to the back of his sleigh by 4 million pounds of centrifugal force. Merry Christmas. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him true. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. Yeah, that was a fun time back in uh, 1995 with uh, J- J.C. And uh, I think the, the, the fun of that was that, that the, the reaction because it was something that he had not vetted or heard before. And so we had a fun time with that. And of course, that is again a uh, reaffirmation of uh, of Santa's magic. That's what that is. It's not a. Debunking. It's a reaffirmation of how awesome Santa is. He'd never be able to pull that off if he were just a regular old human guy. Of course, not many. Not many people can pull off a red suit, just a normal, average, everyday guy, you know. So we already knew Santa was amazing, but 
But there are many guys who can pull off the red suit thing. Try it. Try walking outside right now with your with a Santa suit on. They're like, you're not Santa. It's like, of course you're not. No, that. This is actually one of my favorite Christmas songs. Benny Goodman. This is like, you know, back in the day, you know. Santa Claus came in the spring. Santa Claus came when the skies were blue. Santa Claus, he says. I don't know who the singer is, but the uh, it's a Benny Goodman orchestra. These are the same people I think who sang. Uh, Saying happy days are here again, you know, that, that whole crowd there. <laughs> I, I've gotta I've gotta get the uh I, I've gotta get the I've gotta prepare the trolley for uh twenty twenty. The Happy Days Are Here Again trolley. You know that one? <laughs> I've been reading about this, these uh, a-holes in Antifa, you know? And they found the one guy, you know, who was the, like, the lead guy in Antifa who was a violent dude, you know? I mean, these guys wouldn't last a second in a civil war. Because all they got going for them are their scraggly beards and their crappy little outfits and their gang of pee-in-the-street litterers. So they, they don't really have anything. But 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 anyway, I've been kind of like reading up on these guys. And they, I think they exposed the one guy who was like the main leader. And, you know, mommy teaches at Hunter College. And so she's raised two misfit you know, Bernie bros. And so they're, they're all kind of like, you know, these guys who talk a big game, but they'd never last a second in, a, in the real world. And, uh, but that's what their thing is. So that's why they wear masks and they cover their faces because they think they're badasses, you know? And so, uh, when, when it comes like when, when 2020 comes around, you know, uh, I, I, I would, I would, would suggest the same thing when, uh, when, as I did like like the month after, after twenty sixteen, like in December, then I suggested that uh, we all just kind of ride around in a truck. <laughs> when they have the because remember they were having all the protests, you know, you know, like the vagina hats, and then all the all the other people, like in the, I think St. Louis had a few people get out there, and they were all like, with their bullhorns, their signs, and you know. Sore loser, you know, Hillary Clinton, Bernie bro people, you know, 
and upset because Trump won. And they were just they could they could they can't tolerate the fact that Trump won won the election. And so uh so I think I think this time around, like when we get closer to two thousand uh the election of two thousand twenty, when President Trump is and his running mate Nikki Haley get out there and start campaigning, they'll have more protests probably. And so I'm suggesting that we have uh we have like a, a, a trolley that we use called a Trump trolley. And we all uh, have like our, you know, those shaky's pizza hats, you know, with the, and there's, and there's certainly somebody on the trolley on the top of the trolley with like an organ, you know, and, and he's, he's playing the, like the piano or whatever. And he's got his, and we all have our shaky's pizza hats on from, from that era, you know, and we just, uh, drive around in the trolley. Hi, everybody. Hi, Antifa. And, and wave really like uh, <laughs> obnoxiously from the trolley. You know, they're like the like the those royal waves, you know, like where the like the Miss USA pageant wave. Or the or the homecoming queen wave, where you just kind of have your hands go back and your hand go back and forth. Hi, hi, hello, hey. Yeah, and how you you know how you wave and like no one's waving back, but you're still waving. Hi, hello, hey. He's are here again. Hey, hi. Oh, look at the look. There's another vagina hat. Look. Oh. Oh, look at that. Look at that cute, scraggly, bearded hipster hiding his face. Hi. Hi. Oh, look at that. Look at that woman from Webster Groves and her muumu and her clogs holding her baby. Hi. Hello. How's everybody doing? Good afternoon this afternoon, everybody. It's the Trump trolley. We just decided we'd come around and see what you guys are doing. Aw, you're at Keener Plaza with your bullhorns. Hi, everybody. We have uh, Bose speakers on our trolley. Hello. Yes. Looking forward to another four years, are you? Thank you. Uh, yes. Yes. Hello. Oh, the music's over? No, it's not. No, it's not. Because we have it on a loop. Hi. Look. Oh, that bandana over your face looks really good on you. Nice job, guy. Nice job, guys. People. Nice. I'm going to get that trolley going. And let me tell you something about you people. You're going to be on it. Right. And, and here's what's even going to be better is that we're going to not only have this music playing, but we're going to fake like we're playing it. 
So we're all going to have like uh, trombones in our hands. <laughs> Fake trumpets. Hello, everybody. We'll have like those little megaphones, like the, the Rudy Valley megaphone. Raffy days are here again. Hello, everybody. It's 2020. Yes. They pulled me off? Those Facebook a-holes. I knew it because you know why? They don't want happy days to be here again. Facebook is a fan. Oh, yes, Facebook pulled me off. Oh, yes. Kiss my butt. Facebook, you can kiss my ass. Facebook, you're a bunch of raging liberals. You can kiss my butt today. Yes, everybody. Uh, good morning this morning. Uh, thank you very much, everybody. Seriously, they picked, they kicked me off for a for a. Oh, <laughs> They kicked me off for a, for a Benny Goodman. No, that was Guy Lombardo. I I kind of like did really take a lot of liberties with that one, but why would they? Why would they like be that that crazy about it? You know what I mean? Oh well. So how did I get started on all this? I'll tell you how I got started on this. It was all about you know who. Obama! And we were talking about Syria and Russia. Oh, by the way, did you, did you remember how uh, Barack Obama got That's elected? That's what started his campaign. He put his name on two big 54D. Yeah, remember that one? And, and, uh, and so it's funny how now, because Mark Kaysen was sending me all these uh, tweet, uh, these text messages now, and he's... Uh, yeah, yeah. He also said, did you see the post headline on Eric Greitens? Yeah, I did. The, the, the dark money thing that nobody cares about. You know, the, 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 the super PAC and the money this and money. Nobody, nobody gives. I don't, I don't care whether a Democrat is. I don't care about any of that stuff. Like, like let me ask you something. Do you know anybody who really cares about the influence of dark money? Like, does anybody on earth really care about that except people who work at the Post-Dispatch and maybe a few stupid Democrats and liberal Republicans who are sore losers? Because they, they, don't, they don't care about dark money when they're using it. I don't even know what dark money, dark money, you know, the dark money. It's all behind the scenes. But so, so what? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I actually have, uh, I actually don't agree with any campaign finance laws. I, I, I believe campaign finance laws in general are an infringement on speech, and I don't care at all about campaign finance laws. I, and I, I don't, I don't, I actually believe campaign finance laws are, uh, baloney and annoying 
And I don't, I don't think there should be any campaign finance laws. I think that if uh, we live in America and if, uh, if you're worried about people getting contributions from whatever, um, too bad. Then, 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 then you get contributions from people and, and, and beat the people who are getting the contributions you don't like. I, 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 so, so campaign finance laws to me, period, are an infringement on speech. So I, I believe that there should be unlimited amounts of money uh, in politics if there has to be. And if there's not, then fine. But I, but I, don't, I, don't, uh, I don't agree with any campaign finance laws. So the idea of dark money doesn't bother me in the slightest. The only people that really are concerned about dark money are people who are having their asses kicked by it. That's usually that's usually the people who are worried about dark money. I mean, I mean, liberals are never worried about dark money when liberals are using dark money or behind the scenes funding or stuff like that or don't identify. I mean, they don't care. So it's all about. So usually, what happens is any reporting you're doing, you're seeing on dark money and the influence of this and and uh, no names. You know what? Um, I don't need to know the name of somebody behind some kind of campaign pack or whatever it happens to be. I don't care who it is. I don't need to know. It's not even my right to know. But they they still have campaign finance laws and blah, blah, blah. And so they're still, you know, trolling Eric Greitens on his funding sources and dark money, that kind of stuff. And really, uh, the, the, the the dark money thing was, a, was something that was promoted by uh, – uh, Scott Fawn and all of his Republicrat buddies down there in uh, in Jefferson City and his Missouri Times show and and they didn't they didn't care about dark money. I mean, because if they did, Jay Barnes would have asked Scott Fawn where he got the money to pay Albert Watkins, you know, in that whole thing. But they never bothered to ask him. So they, these here here are guys concerned about dark money who are who are not being asked or even held accountable to where they got their money to pay the attorney for the woman and her husband or whoever it was who accused uh, Eric Greitens of, of, of uh, a crime that didn't, that didn't exist. It was $100,000 or $50,000. Scott Fawn doesn't have a pot to piss in. This guy's a bad check writer, convicted, convicted bad check writer. Look at his look at his felony records, Lord. That guy doesn't have a have a have a pot to piss in. He doesn't have he, he has he hasn't seen a, a twenty dollar bill probably in the last five years, and and suddenly he's what got a hundred thousand dollars that he's just giving to an attorney or fifty. I don't even remember what the amount is fifty thousand dollars or what. You know, Scott Fawn doesn't doesn't. Uh, that guy doesn't have a. I'm surprised. I'd be surprised if he's seen a five dollar bill in the last five years. Uh, but so you know, this guy, this this uh, backwoods bohunk doesn't have any money at all, and and so nobody worried about that. But but it's like we have dark money. Does he still appear on Mark Reardon's show on KMOX still? This Scott Fawn dude, does he still appear there? Because he was all concerned about uh here's a here's a here's a convicted felon and and drunk driver 
who goes on camel who is on camel X complaining about Eric Greitens having an affair. Well, you know, we do need some people who are moral in politics. Oh, oh, really? You're aren't you the guy who's like the uh, you're the Missouri Times guy who has a who who by the way uh, all the Republicans who kiss his re- fat rear end. Do you know about his past? Because apparently you guys try to figure out, you guys try to act like we would never know about his past. This guy and his record. And, 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 and nobody asked him, but, but we're concerned about dark money and affairs. And jam, and there's got to be morality in politics. It's like, oh, really? I mean, seriously, uh, Jethro, you're you're the one who's who's lecturing us about morality and politics when you're a convicted felon with a TV show where you go and everybody's got to kiss your ring and you have uh, uh, you have uh, sh- uh, yearly dinners funded by Sterling Bank where you hand out awards to all your little pigeons in in the legislature. And to go back down to Jeff City and knock on some doors down there. Nobody bothers with them anymore. The investigative reporters down there. They need to go back down there. And and I, I this uh, this time I ought to focus on Republicans more than anything else because they're dirty. Most I mean I don't really I don't really bother myself too much with Democrats because they are who they are. But boy, there are some corrupt ass Republicans down there in Jefferson City that need to be exposed. I had to go. I had to go to one of these Scott Fawn. I, I think he has them every Christmas time. And my next award goes to Gene Evans. Here, Gene. Here, have his, here. Here's your award. Here's a trophy for being my my girl down there in Jefferson City. It's like really, but yeah, that's how that's how it goes. To, you wouldn't believe the kind of. Uh, you wouldn't believe the hayseed nature of half that population down there in Jefferson City, man. They are just, it's crazy. It ought to be, I ought to be exposed. I'm going to get down back, get my butt back down there, do some work down there. Here's your reward, Shamad. Come on my show and talk about how evil Eric Greitens is. Yeah. Shamed Dogan and Gene Evans and these other people who were all uh, kind of they were they were all uh they were all um basically they 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 the term limited some of them were and they were all after Eric Come on come on my show we'll talk about politics It's like yeah uh he you know uh Scott Fawn reminds me of uh who is it, Mr. Haney on Green Acres? Well, Mr. Haney. See if I can find him real quickly. Got to have some Mr. Haney to get us through the day. Well, I'll be darned. Mr. Haney. <laughs> One second here. Oh, Lord. Let me just get this here. There, Mr. Haney, Green Acres. You guys want to hear how? You guys want to hear how Scott Fawn sounds? Yeah. This is a... 
love Green Acres, by the way. Here comes Scott Fawns just arrived in his truck. Afternoon, Mr. Douglas. Oh, hi, Mr. Henning. Where do you want me to dump the stuff? Well, you... you... Oh, wait, I didn't order that. Correct. It was ordered by the Monroe Brothers. <laughs> oh? Well, uh, just a minute. Uh, oh, wait, Mr. Haney. Here, what are you unloading that stuff for? Well, like I said, they ordered it. What for? You want to tell him, Sam? No, you tell him, Irving. Mr. Haney, put that stuff back on the truck. Well, they ordered it. You know why we ordered it? I really don't care. I've lost interest. You'll be interested when we tell you. Tomorrow, we are going to finish your bedroom. What? We'll be here first thing tomorrow. Yeah, well, anyway. I, I'm trying to get let, me get... let me get more Mr. Haney here. Here's here's Mr. Haney's farm farm minding uh, service here. Listen to him. Uh, Mr. Drucker, uh, I want you to do me a favor. If you could find somebody to mind the farm while we're away. Mind your farm? I'll take that. Here comes Scott Fawn. No, this is Haney's farm minding service. (laughs) May I talk to Mr. Drucker? Just as soon as we settle our business. Now, for $8 a day, I will feed your chickens, milk your cow, and check your laundry to make sure that you get all of your sheets back. And you can also come on my TV show called the Missouri Jams on Channel 30. Mr. Haney, I... For $12 a day, you get our 24-hour service. If you write me a check so I can pay the bill... Yeah, Scott Fawn didn't have a dime... But they're, but but they're the first ones that told you how concerned they were about ooh the dark money. We want to get we want to know what's behind Eric Greitens and his dark money. So Eric Greitens goes down to uh, Jefferson City and starts to embarrass all these hayseeds down there who are making money off of the uh, off the tax credits and that kind of stuff. And uh, and so they don't like that. And, and actually, it just so happens that one of the biggest abusers. Of the tax credit system, you know, where they get tax credits and then they then they sell them. They were selling them. And one of the biggest abusers of the tax credit system was uh, Sterling Bank. I, I guess I wouldn't say abusers. I would say users. Let's put it that way of the uh, tax credit system was Sterling Bank. Guess who sponsors uh, Scott Fawn's. Uh, Scott Fawn's Missouri Times show. Ding, 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 ding. You're right. Yes, Sterling Bank. Yeah. So anyway, that's how that whole thing goes. Guess how Jay Barnes became the chairman of the committee that's investigating investigating Eric Greitens back in the day. Well, Jay Barnes happens to be one of Scott Fawn's pigeons. So how is it possible that a convicted felon and drunk driver like Scott Fawn could wield so much power down in Jefferson City? How is that possible? Well, it's only possible if you have people who are dumber than he is and, and, and who need to come on his show called Missouri Hams. Huh? Come on the show. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, his his uh, his theme song is 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 the theme song from Hee Haw. 
So, so they, they, they have, and I'm, I'm actually insulting Hee Haw, which I shouldn't, shouldn't be doing because Hee Haw is an awesome show. But, but nonetheless, and so these guys are the ones sitting in, in, uh, in, in, uh, in judgment of, of, uh, of Eric Greitens. But there's the headline. But that was one of the, that was one of the, uh, that was one of the, um, text I got from, from Mark Kaysen. Did you see the headlines? Yes, I did, uh, Mark Kaysen. I'm, sh- I'm, I'm sure that'll be discussed on the Missouri Time Show. And Scott Fawn. Woohoo! And the whole hee haw gang. Oh, yes. Come on, Republicans. Come on, my show. Later on, I'm going to be on the Mark Reardon show talking about morality and politics. That's after I appear at the courthouse to plead guilty to bad chick right now. Never mind that. Let's talk about the dark money. Yeah. So that's 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 the story uh, coming at us regarding it. So so the whole dark money thing, I, I just have zero concern. I, I again will go back to I completely disagree with any limitations on campaign financing. There you have it, there you are. Total liberty guy, and knock yourself out. And if you don't have the money, and uh, too bad. But the, the, the whole dark money concerns all, all about sore losers. So anyway, now I got to go back to uh, now I got to go back to to Cason's uh, other thing because this you know you realize it was an hour and a half ago that I started talking about this, and then it went from that to Christmas music to scaffold and the whole show. <laughs> And Skyfall! Yeah, <laughs> I'm the former mayor of Poplar Bluff. <laughs> I loved Hee Haw. Roy Clark, bless his soul, Buck Owens. Right on, Bubba. Right on. I could watch Hee Haw all day long. As opposed to, like, Scott Fawn's fat ass on Missouri Times show. He's, he looks. He reminds me of that dude they took back in, in uh, the woods in Deliverance. Just check it out sometime. I don't want to encourage you to watch the show, but just, like, Google him or something. So, anyway, how did I, how did I get the, uh, how did I get to this point? in my life right now. <laughs> oh Lord. I'd love to, I'd love to make fun of him when he's standing here. I, I know it's kind of cheap, a cheap shot if he's not here, but I just like see him. I like to stand. I like to, I wish he were standing here. It'd be even more fun. I'd have like a, I'd have, I'd, I'd just speak it in my megaphone. 
Hee 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 ha. <laughs> Damn funny. You guys know what I'm talking about, too. You probably don't, but those of you who do, do. Those of you who don't need to check it out. So anyway, uh, that's all, Eric. So, so yeah, Greitens comes on, and you know, that, that story. So, Kate, I, oh, yeah, I was back to Kaysen. So Kaysen sending me texts, and he was like, did you see the headline on Eric? He's like, I saw that. And then, he, then, he, then now he's all about, you know, this whole Syria pullout, you know. So all the all the Democrats are now, you know, uh, ooh, you shouldn't you 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 you're you're playing into the hands of our mortal enemy, Vladimir Putin. I'm like, your mortal enemy? You mean like Russia? Yes, Russia's a mortal enemy of the United States. They're a sworn enemy. I'm like since when? Since Obama left office? Right, exactly. Because as I recall, as I recall, uh, Obozo, I remember him. Obama! I remember him when he was on, uh, oh, come on the debate, right? Remember? That was, that, was, uh, that was right after, that was right before he was going, uh, it was four years after he was initially elected president. You know what I mean? That's what started his campaign. He put his name on two big 54 Ds. And then... You're thinking, wow, well, so, so, so Russia is now uh, our mortal enemy, and, and anything that's done that would slightly, like, even though, even though Trump has, has been kicking Russia's ass for the past four years in terms of their, of uh, two years, in terms of sanctions and everything else, Trump has been making life miserable for Russia and Putin, and, and rightly so for, for some of the things that they pulled off. And yet people still think that there's this collusion and there's this. And, and now they say well, Trump was going to build a hotel in Russia. It's like, no shit. He, he, that's what he does. Builds hotels everywhere. He has relationships with people overseas. It's like, you mean President Trump? You mean Donald Trump, the businessman who builds Trump Towers in every, every postage stamp part of the earth? Yes. He was going to build a Trump Tower in Moscow. I'm like, that's a good idea. What, 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 what's next? A McDonald's is going to put a McDonald's restaurant in Moscow. There already is one. There's been one for like 15 years. Oh. So, I mean, it's, it's like, so what is McDonald's colluding with Russia too? Yeah, I saw a, Mc, I saw a secret McDonald's in Russia. Yeah, you mean the Golden Arches? Yeah. By the way, Chick-fil-A, do you see they're like the, they're the third now largest uh, fast food operation in the world now, Chick-fil-A? Yeah, well, they better not put a restaurant in, they better not put a Chick-fil-A in Russia. Those conservative people, they're probably, you know, they, they, they love Donald Trump and now they're going to put a Chick-fil-A in Russia. You mean right next to the Hardee's? Yeah. So anyway, uh, this was uh, this was Obozo back in the uh, time with that Potts Mitt Romney, who's just looking looking at him is like, yeah, I I knew you wouldn't order the soup when you had dinner with Donald Trump, you beta. I knew you weren't going to do that, and Donald Trump knew you weren't either. Hey, uh, Mitt, 
why don't you come to dinner with me? Because you might be Secretary of State. Never. Yeah, come to dinner. I got reservations at my table. You come on. Yes, uh, uh, Mr. Server, I'll have uh, the soup. Mitt, what would you like? I'll just have the uh, uh, salad with cranberry and walnuts. Thank you. Yeah. Knew you didn't. Knew you weren't going to order the soup, dude. That's why you lost in 2012. So anyway, here's uh, here's here's here, here's a flashback. You want a flashback to uh, when uh, Russia was a was a big threat to the U.S. You know, because because uh, as Mark Cation points out, you know, Putin's our mortal enemy. You know, you remember that day, though, right? It's wonderful that Libya seems to be making some progress despite this terrible tragedy. But next door, of course, we have Egypt, Libya, six million population, Egypt, 80 million population. We, we want we want to make sure that we're seeing progress throughout the Middle East with Mali now having North Mali taken over by Al Qaeda with Syria having uh, Assad continuing to assassinate, to kill, to murder his own people. Uh, th- this is a region in well, tumult. And, of course, Iran let's see what, uh, on the path to a, n- a nuclear weapon. We've got real problems we'll in the that, region. But let's uh, okay. give the president uh, a chance. Governor Romney, I'm glad that you recognize that al-Qaeda is a threat. Because a few months ago, when you were asked what's the biggest geopolitical threat facing America, you said Russia. Not al-Qaeda. You said Russia. In the 1980s or now calling to ask for their foreign policy back because, you know, the Cold War has been over for 20 years. But, Governor, you know, when it comes to our foreign policy, you seem to want to import the foreign policies of the 1980s, just like the social policies of the 1950s and the economic policies of the 1920s. Hmm. So that was Obozo back in the election of 2012, uh, I guess we, I would I would say that it's playing down the Russia threat. And, you know, actually, the, the truth of the matter is uh, Obama was right then. You know, Rom, Rom, Romney was a, is a neocon, and these guys, these Republicans back in those days, uh, never met a war they didn't like. So you had all these people wanting to invade this and invade that and get in this and get in that. And so, uh, but Obama was right then, actually. Because because Russia is not our mortal enemy. They do bad things, yeah. But there are a lot of people who do uh, bad things that we associate with all the time, you know. You know, the, the whole uh, the whole you know, the whole controversy regarding China and trade. Right. Uh, and, and, and the whole issue is, uh, is our relationship with China is going to harm our relationship with China. If you looked at what the Chinese do to their people and the humanitarian uh, violations that, that China undergoes and, 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 and meets out on their people, you'd, be, you'd, you'd probably wonder, like, why we have a relationship with them at all. But we do. Same thing with Russia. They're, they're crazy people over there, and uh, they have no jobs, and so what they do is they play around on computers all day. So and and hack people and do this kind of stuff and so they really there's nothing they have nothing else to do but mess around on computers over in Russia. So they so the, so that's uh, that's what these people are up to these days. I mean you know so uh, so I agree with them about that. So now suddenly though everything is about like Russia is our is the big gigantic foreign menace, and yet the Republicans and De- Democrats never believe that. And you know what? Rightly so. 
but 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 now they do. Now they think everything is you, you, even even a Trump Tower in Moscow is like, oh, that's terrible, and 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 yet it's totally completely normal. There's a, there's a, I, I don't know maybe there's a Trump Tower in Beijing, but I know there's a McDonald's. Come on, they're you know they're driving uh, uh, Ford F one fifties over there for crying out loud. It's, it, it, again, it's like it's so. Anyway, that's the big thing now. So now pulling out of Syria is somehow aiding Russia now. And as Carafano pointed out, who knows whether or not it's a good idea. But uh, at this point in time, uh, but but nonetheless, we shouldn't, well, be there in the first place. And I've been consistent on this. I didn't, you know, when, when, when Sarah Palin back in the day, they were trying to egg Obama on to do more in Syria. John McCain was over there. John, John McCain was a warmonger. And, and 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 he he wanted it. We, we if 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 John McCain had his way, we'd be we'd have body bags coming back from Syria on a regular basis, like we did in Iraq and, and Afghanistan. So, but now you know, of course, I, I get the text from Kaysen. It's like, yeah, right. You know, Putin loves it, and the New York Times has now a uh, article about. Uh, uh, about it, and and uh, and the New York Times has a and and the headline is Vladimir Putin welcomes U.S. withdrawal from Syria. So so the New York Times, the enemy media, will almost always take the side of a foreign nation or of the enemy as long as it involves President Trump. They'll they'll almost consistently take the side of. Any other country. I mean, look what Trump is doing when it comes to the tariffs and this, that kind of thing. They're worried. About, what happens for China, though? We don't want to make China mad. Oh, really? You know, you know and suddenly they, 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 they take even China's side when it comes to this. They, 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 they'll take, you know, Mexico's side. Anybody but... Uh, the president's side, they will take. So that's 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 the uh, that's the kind of garbage that we're seeing in in uh, over there. Oh, and by the way, CBS. Uh, speaking of taking sides, they'll also take the side of the left wing mob because they are part of the left wing mob. So. Like, for instance, in this Tucker Carlson thing, they made a big, big deal out of the uh, the boycott of Tucker Carlson's show. And, and they, even, they even featured it on their newscasts. A Fox News host is in a harsh spotlight tonight. Tucker Carlson has taken criticism for his recent comments on immigration. Some advertisers are leaving. Here's Tarika Duncan. They did a whole... The CBS did a whole story on on Tucker Carlson and, and his comments about immigration, which, by the way, were completely taken out of context. And 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 because Fox News is is uh, is kicking the ass of CBS on a regular basis, by the way, uh, they they are going to do a uh, they're going to do a whole story on the boycott of to try to obviously keep the engine going here, you know. 
to, to keep everything moving in this direction. They're, they're going to keep on egging this on because they have so now keep in mind by the way okay this is the same media that when president trump dares to criticize things that come out of like for instance jim acosta's mouth or when when president trump criticizes uh individuals or wants to like shut saturday Night live down or something ridiculous like that that he said they all suddenly come to the defense of freedom. But in this country, we need a free press where people are able to state their views and say what they say without people coming and, and trying to run them out and ruin them. That's, you know, the, 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 the press is a hallmark of, 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 uh, of our country. They're, they're, they're the pinnacle of our democracy, the, the press. Unless, of course, you're Fox News. Then, of course, they will celebrate boycotts and things like that, even though, obviously, you know, boycotts are defensible uh, to some degree. You can do whatever you want to do. But but really, it, it, the goal, for instance, is to uh, pull you off the air uh, and, and get you fired. That's, an, that's another story. And it, and it depends on kind of who you are. I've already I've already explained the whole uh, Stacey Newman situation and 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 that situation where she's an elected state representative who is sicking her flying monkeys onto businesses that act, actually ultimately are uh, are governed by her to a certain degree because when you're a state representative you can you can clearly wield a lot of power because. You are uh, you are basically telling companies not to support a certain entity, and those companies are actually technically regulated by you as a state representative. Like St- Stacey Newman could tomorrow, although she's uh, term limited and she's out 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 of office as of January, but believe me, um, she'll remember her role as a state representative for a long, long time to come, and so were her slow stepson stepson drew but but they but they uh but sh- she under color of the state because her twitter account of course is state rep stacy newman uh tweeted out to a variety of different organizations uh commercial organizations that they need to uh remove their support of my show back in the day and uh, Stacey Newman decided that that, that was uh, something she was going to do. But you, you realize that uh, it's different if you're just some kind of left-wing hack. And although Stacey Newman is a left-wing hack, she's also an elected state representative. And so when you are in that situation, you are uh, presenting yourself as a person of, of certain power that goes beyond just you. Like Judd Apatow is a director, right? He's a film director, and he's the one who started this whole boycott thing and and boycott Tucker Carlson. And it's it's certainly within his First Amendment rights to to do whatever he wants to do, as much as it is uh, Tucker Carlson's First Amendment rights to say what he wants to say, and of course his advertisers' First Amendment rights to uh, decline to advertise with the show. They could. And they they could do all of that. 
And their goal is to try to cripple his show to the point where he's not there anymore. And that, of course, also is defensible on a, on a, on a First Amendment level. Unless, of course, you are uh, a person who is utilizing your role in state government to try to exact a certain limitation on First Amendment rights. And then, 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 you, then that creates a problem. Or if you are using uh, technology, like computer technology, to manufacture a cyber attack, like your slow, slow stepson Drew was doing to my advertisers and other people, organizing a, a cyber attack out of the offices of the Gateway Blend. So, if, so if you're doing that, then that becomes then that becomes a different story. Then it becomes a different free speech matter. Like right now, what's going on with Tucker Carlson is uh, clearly people all exercising their free speech rights. But as Alan Dershowitz has pointed out, a a a, a utilizing a First Amendment right to crush another First Amendment right is not actually defensible under the First Amendment depending on your tactics. So if you are a elected state representative, for instance, and, and you obviously have a First Amendment right as an elected state representative, but if, but if you are operating under color of law of, of the state and, and, and your role as a state representative is uh, I will – you know, I'm going to do this to you. Like, like if you're Arrowhead Building Supply, or if you are Matthew Mitchell and the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency as an insurance agent, uh, as a state representative, you have a lot of things you can do in the in the state legislature that would make life hard for these entities. You can pass, you can introduce legislation that that of a regulatory nature. As a state representative, you you uh, control the regulatory budgets, uh, uh, the budgets of regulatory agencies. So there is a Department of Insurance uh, within the Economic Development Department of the state of Missouri. And as an elected state representative, you have control over that budget. And therefore, you have control over the regulatory agency. And the regulatory agency has control over Matthew Mitchell. So you can see how actually that 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 becomes a different story when you are trying to coerce an entity to stop advertising. At that point you're interfering in commercial contracts and everything else because you're doing it under color of state uh, of the state. That's different. And or or if you are uh uh Drew Newman and you are what we suspect uh, and what we'll, I think, be able to prove, if you are organizing a cyber attack, that is more than just you phone calling or doing whatever, but you're organizing a cyber attack with the ex- expressed desire to disengage individuals from their economic contracts and, and their business contracts, that becomes a problem. That becomes an issue. Because you'll notice, by the way, that when it came to, you know, the Russia hacking thing and, and, the, and the Russia cyber attack and interference thing, you know how that's a big deal for people, right? 
Well, it's not just it's not just a foreign country that that becomes a problem when they when they do that. Anybody who does it. If 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 I organized a cyber attack uh or helped do that or or was part of that uh on another radio station, I would be in deep trouble. And and, and so that so that's what's going on. That that's what's different in my situation than and why we're pursuing that because uh because uh if if you're if you're and, and of course then of course uh Drew Newman uh, Stacy Newman's slow stepson Drew who has some kind of complex with stepmommy apparently uh ha, ha, when when you post on Mother's Day a Facebook post where you celebrate stepmommy's uh victories in ruining people that becomes a problem that that becomes an issue and of course it's all there and static and frozen and in time because you put it up on the internet then it's there boom file that one and then you and then you uh uh you know that that's where that's what you're doing and and when you do that then it becomes an issue and of course that mother's day deal was uh was a, was was a, a famous you know thing I and mean, i'm sure stepmommy really appreciated that and rewarded uh, her slow stepson drew handsomely for for her his mother's day post but that was all because eric she also was after eric greitens you know she's she's also the one who organized um organized the uh who hooked up this woman with uh with the what's her face the uh the woman who is going to probably be indicted, the circuit attorney in the city of St. Louis, at least her investigator will, and then he'll turn on her, and then they'll come after her. But they uh, that that's that. So so Stacey Newman was was uh, part of that cabal too. So yeah. So we'll see whether or not this becomes front page news or back page news. I think Stacey Newman's familiar with the back page too, but we'll we'll get to that later on down the line. So anyway, CBS decides they're going to cover this story. They're going to cover this story on Tucker Carlson as a, as kind of a celebration because and and to keep in mind Tucker Carlson uh, when when he talked about the country being dirtier, it was it was one of three things he said. And 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 then and then it was it was preceded and then afterwards talked about it as well. Is it honestly? It was actually a story about trash. It was a story about pollution. It was a story about uh, how the, out, out in the desert they've they've complained, and even down in Mexico, cities have complained about the kind of trash and everything else that these illegals are leaving behind and and how they're. Dirtying this up and dirtying that up, and that's what he was referring to. But he, but but apparently, they were they were insinuating somehow that this was this that he was, he was talking about dirty Mexicans. It's like no, he didn't wasn't talking about that at all. Anyway, here's a CBS story about it. Moral obligation to admit the world's poor. They tell us even if it makes our own country poorer and dirtier and more divided. 
When Fox News host Tucker Carlson made those comments last Thursday, critics called for advertisers to pull their ads. On Monday, Carlson said he will not back down. We're not intimidated. We plan to try to say what's true until the last day. So far, more than a dozen advertisers, including Pacific Life and IHOP, withdrew or have requested that their ads not air on Carlson's program. Cowards. And that's the and and what they're afraid of is not. I mean, the, the, I I guarantee you half the people complaining about, or maybe eighty five percent of the people complaining about what Tucker Carlson said have never set foot in an IHOP. I mean, do they, do they actually does IHOP really care about what some left wing lunatics have to say? And does anybody even notice that IHOP – I didn't even know IHOP advertised – I watch Tucker Carlson's show all the time. I never even knew IHOP advertised on Tucker Carlson's show. And, 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 and that's the problem. Like we had the same issue with Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, for instance. Like um, Charles Jaco, for instance, who, who, who was the, one of the leading, you know, Stacey Newman's flying monkeys people – these people who who uh, who uh, Jaco spends too much money on cigarettes and heart medicine to afford to go to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. You guys never set foot in Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. He keeps his liquor in under his pillow. I mean, but 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 and but Ruth's Chris Steakhouse is worried about what uh, what Charles Jaco thought about them. It's ridiculous. But anyway, these these cowardly corporations, they sit there and, and, and they cave automatically because they're so afraid of a mob. But some- and, of, and of course, CBS knows this, right? CBS knows how cowardly these companies are. And and so what they'll do is they'll they'll highlight this story, give IHOP and Mitsubishi, the other people, all free advertising, basically. And it'll encourage more people to drop off a couple Tucker Carlson show. Like Mitsubishi and Bayer. Carlson maintains his comments were in response to seeing debris in Tijuana, where the migrant caravan is camped out. We know where you sleep at night. Carlson's views on immigration and other issues have come under fire before. In November, the left-wing fringe group Antifa protested at his home. That's more than coming under fire, and they did more than protest at his home. One of them tried to actually get into the house. And yet here, I mean, believe me, had had somebody stood outside of, uh, I don't know, I can't name anybody on CBS News. Who the hell's on CBS News? Who anchors the CBS News uh, broadcast? I don't even know who that is. What's on CBS? Is Face the Nation a CBS show? I, I think CBS has other problems like less Moonves. But here they are. But nonetheless, if this was a difference, but but they're actually uh, they're actually de facto approving of this display outside of Tucker Carlson's, which again 
you know, to protest outside of somebody's house is certainly, as long as you're not trespassing, certainly okay and defensible from a First Amendment standpoint. But, but, but to try to get into the house is another story. I mean, you can protest outside my house all you want. You come in, you try to get into my house, I'll shoot you through the door. So I, or, or, or no, I'll wait till you come in and then I'll shoot you. I think that's probably the the, the proper way. That, that way, I wouldn't get charged with anything. I'll just I'll just let you come through the door and then I'll shoot you. But nonetheless, I mean, uh, but but nonetheless, but but again, you can you can be outside my house all day long. As long as you don't step on my property or do whatever, you're fine. But these guys were trying to get into his house. And CBS acts like this is like some kind of legit protest. This is like the Antifa guys, you know. Fox News said in a statement. By the way, the ringleader of the Tucker Carlson protest has actually on paper, on Twitter, and on tape advocated killing people. Just so you know. Made last month to bully and terrorize Tucker and his family at their home. He is now once again being threatened via Twitter by far left activist groups with deeply political motives. And I have to tell you, though, uh, it is interesting to, to see this is probably not half bad for Tucker Carlson. It's, it's, uh, for, for those who didn't know he was on the air, they know he's on the air now. And, and, and the advertisers that leave, it was the same thing with me. Um, like, for instance, when the Gelman team, Decided they were going to leave 97.1. Tracy Ellis is like, I'll be there then. I've been waiting to, to advertise with you forever. So for every advertiser that leaves Tucker Carlson's show, there's another one begging to be on his show. I, I had this great group that will advertise with me hopefully later on, Southern Armory. Uh, and and uh, they even pulled their advertising and they weren't even alive advertiser with me they weren't even i would i never even mentioned the word southern armory and southern armory pulled their ads from 97.1 just just for your just in case you're interested uh and and i and i wish and if you go to southern armory or you have any ability to contact them tell them thank you for that because that's southern army was armory was one of the uh organizations that defended me even though i was not like a, a a endorser of theirs uh they just did advertising on the show. And of course, obviously I endorsed them, but I'm, I'm just saying they were advertising on the show. But, but for everybody that was going to leave my show and there was, there were, and there were three of them and two of them repped by the same person, Joan Berkman, who, uh, and Palm was a trade deal and, and Ruth Chris gave me gift certificates and, and the Gelman team said it was because they were, uh, being harassed because they're Jewish. And and they and they were supposedly uh uh traitors to the to the to the uh reformed Jews in Ladue. I mean I'm 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 not I'm not I'm just telling you what Mark Gelman told me. That's another story. Experts we spoke with today who cover media sales and ads says more than a dozen advertisers pulling essentially their funding is a big deal. But Jeff, if Fox is able to find other companies to fill those <laughs> slots financially, and they will. Well, then, as you can imagine, the show will go on. So that wasn't, I mean, you know, it was, it, uh, the mere fact that CBS covered this is interesting. It, the, the woman, I think, did a, did a remotely fair job. And she's right. It, 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 Tucker Carlson's show is a highly rated show, like my radio show was. 
And so for everybody who leaves, there's another one just knocking on the door. That's how that goes. Anyway, good morning this morning, everybody. I must go. I must away for it is a little after 9 o'clock. And as Shakespeare would say, I'm getting the hell out of this blowing joint. I'm blowing this joint, he said. I can't remember what uh, production that was from. But. Speaking of advertisers, good morning this morning, Golden Oak Lending. Three, one, four, five, six, seven, go. I'll give me land, lots of land, and the starry skies above. Two months of no mortgage payments. That's what Daddy says is going to be the case for you. Two months, no payments. Two months. So if you refi now, it won't be March until you have to pay anything else for your mortgage. You get, you get your mortgage checkup, and you just say, Jamie Allman sent you, and you get free appraisal with it, you know? I'm kidding about that? Just ask him. 314-567-GOLD, goldnoclending.com. Matthew Mitchell and the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency, 855. Quote me. Low premiums, low deductibles, all at the same time. Auto. Home. Life. Michael Proctor, Proctor Spelled Lock, Doctor. ProctorDrapery.com. And there you are thinking to yourself, how do I spell doctor again? Yes, it's, it's an OR. Doctor. Doctor Proctor. Proctor Doctor. For all of your window fashions, he's the man. Tracy Ellis, I mentioned her earlier, Tracy and Rick. Great people, TracyEllis.com. TracyEllis.com. Yes, my people. Nutrition HQ, I got to stop by there. Pick up some reap supplies from my veteran owned nutrition mecca right there in Rock Hill. NHQ.rocks is the website, and it's right there. It's Manchester and McKnight. NHQ.rocks, Nutrition HQ. Gotta love it. All right, tomorrow, Friday. Well, I guess today we had the Radio Free Album Christmas party, didn't we, kind of? Christmas music. Oh, there's more to come from there, where that came from. Jimmy Hoft and Jim Talbot are going to be on with me as well tomorrow. So it's going to be your Friday with uh, Radio Free Almond. All right, folks, have a great rest of your day.